Welcome back to Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, the Corona Cold Reads troupe has now officially completed every play in Shakespeare's canon, um, and we are moving on. Uh, as I'm recording this, we are actually we have actually finished our initial run of plays, which lasted a year and a half. Uh, we began the very first week that the lockdowns began in Toronto, and we met for a while every two uh, twice every week. Um, and then we moved to once a week and we really developed a core troop of actors, both pro and amateur who came together, um, to read these plays, uh, every single week for a year and a half. So, um, we are now releasing them all for you to enjoy in podcast form. They're also all available on YouTube. If you prefer to watch the video version, um, I will give you a heads up for specific episodes. If I really think you should watch the YouTube version, um, cause there's a few that have really fun costumes and impressions and some cool visual effects and things. But for the most part, you should be okay to listen in podcast form. Uh, please do keep in mind that these are all real cold reads. For the most part, nobody found out uh, who they were reading, what characters they were reading um, with more than 24 hours notice. In most cases, people are genuinely reading cold. They haven't looked at the text beforehand. So there will be some stumbles and there will be points at which people are on mute and we have to figure out what's going on or a dog wanders into the frame or we have to deal with life interfering with our um, coping strategy here. So uh, please do be patient with that sort of thing. Um, so as we, we finished all of Shakespeare, so now we're moving on to the rest of the, I don't know, written word, I guess. Um, our strategy here was to break uh, everything down into mini seasons. Um, so we, we, we begin with uh, a season of Chekhov plays, and then we end with a season of Shaw plays. And in between, uh, we do a Sorkin season and a season of, uh, we do some seasonal things. So um, one-offs for Halloween or for Christmas or things like that. So we have a romance season for Valentine's. So everything is sort of uh, built like that. Um, in little chunks. So I hope you enjoy and um, please do check us out at my ent world, my ENT world, both on Twitter and Instagram. Um, there's lots of great contact content going up there, both designed for those platforms as well as linking you back to the website, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. You can find all of our written work um, reviews from all sorts of different arts uh, branches and we also there have the links to um, each of these posts where you can find the full cast lists um, and links to the videos as well if you're interested in checking those out for Corona Cold Reads um, and please do subscribe on iTunes where you can find all of our uh, podcast content which there's tons of it we have all sorts of different series going um, we have the favorite series in Corona Cold Reads and Corona Movie Club and um season one episode one and all sorts of other uh, great content in, in addition to our regular my entertainment world podcast so um please do check that out rate and review all that jazz and uh thanks for tuning in welcome back to sorkin season this is our final installment of sorkin season and we are returning to the theater and also dipping our toe into film um so the iconic, probably my favorite, um, and certainly the reason his career exists, property, uh, is A Few Good Men. Um, it did start as a stage play, and then he adapted his own script to make the iconic uh, movie with Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise. I think that is a perfect movie. 
we can talk about that some other time. Um, but everything from the casting to the direction to mostly, yes, the writing, I think is just, it comes together beautifully um, and is my all time favorite movie. So what's interesting to note, however, we wanted to do the stage play because we are stage play people. Um, and also because it's not as well known and it's interesting to delve into a slightly different text, especially a text that is a lot like one we know, but not quite. Um, and it's interesting to note that the, the stage play is a lot worse. Um, like it, you have a tendency to think, okay, well, it must be fairly similar. I mean, and it, it sort of is. The characters are mainly there. You recognize most of the dialogue. He didn't change it dramatically, but a lot of the changes he made made a huge impact. So this play is pretty rough, actually. Yes, it's like a work of amazing genius by a genius, but it's also really rough. Um, it's got some weird things that do not did not age well, do not sit right, shouldn't have been written even at the time, that have rightly been eliminated uh, in the translation to film. And so they're not part of the iconic A Few Good Men memory, but they are there in the original uh, play. So this is a... Yeah, um... I don't know. You take this with a grain of salt. It's sort of a very weird reading, um, which is not the fault of our amazing cast who were so good. I will admit to uh, programming this with a certain, a few actors in mind. Um, one of it, one of whom our uh, Colonel Jessup uh, did join us. It was J Jamie Johnson. This is the only Corona cold reads he did. Um, but I had seen him in um, the last days of Judas Iscariot, like five or six years ago now, six, six, seven, it might've been seven. It was a long time ago now at unit one Oh two. Um, and there was something about the way his Pontius Pilate performance came together that I just remember seeing him and thinking about Colonel Jessup, um, and wanting to see him play that part. So I programmed this specifically knowing I wanted to ask Jamie to do Jessup and he joined us and he was wonderful and everything I thought he could be. Um, I also had an idea for who I wanted to play Danny and he wasn't able to join us. And so that sort of threw things up in the air a little bit. But um, as I always do, when things seem um, really uncertain and I definitely need to be dug out of a bit of a casting hole, I turn to Anne Van Leeuwen um, because she's amazing and versatile and can do absolutely anything. And so she is our Danny Caffey. Um, her and Tom Cruise, so much in common. Um, but she is our Danny, and um, because I really love to play with the dynamic of pre-existing relationships, um, Jack Ross is then played by her very good friend, Loren Hereda, who's one of my very favorite actors in the whole world. Um, Cass Van Wyck also joins us as Joe Galloway, who's one of Sorkin's greatest female characters, and um, Nicole Falgu plays Sam Weinberg, because again... Nicole is a real lawyer, but also Sam is maybe my favorite character in this whole show, play, whatever we're calling it now. Um, so I wanted to give her Sam because I, I, Sam is the heart of the play, in my opinion. And I think that Nicole brings a lot of heart to the things she does. Um, our uh, Marines on trial are played by Mo Kamali and Kyle McDonald, who are both excellent. Um, and we also have a very scary performance from Scott Garland as Lieutenant Jonathan James Kendrick, who's the scariest character in this very scary sometimes play. Um, the uh, judge, is, Captain Julius Alexander Randolph, is Mark Crater. 
Um, Captain Isaac Whitaker is Marlo, Th- Marlo Shaw. I almost called her Marlo Thomas, like that girl. That's funny. Um, Jeffrey Owen Howard is Louis Fernandez. Commander Walter Stone. This is a fun one. So he is played by Christopher Prentice. And the thing to know about Commander Walter Stone, who is the doctor who testifies at court about the lactic acidosis, he, uh, the original Broadway production was played by Christopher Prentice's uncle. So he's uh, reprising a family role here as the doctor. Um, the unfortunate victim that does actually appear in the play, um, and so is an actual character in the play, is not in the movie, but he um, is William T. Santiago. Uh, you'll hear a lot about him, but he appears briefly, and he's played by Sean Lal. Um, someone named Dave is played by Elizabeth Morris. Uh, Lyle slash Tom is Andrew Hawley. Dunn and the Marines chorus is Kieran Voss. Thomas, but not Tom, is and also some Marines is Laura Hubbard. Haymaker and also the Marines, Miriam Bachman. The orderly is Melissa Wright, and the sergeant at arms is Haley Donnell. Uh, so I believe that is the whole cast. And um, I hope you enjoy A Few Good Men. It is, again, if you're, if you're a, a big you, Few Good Men fan, it's an interesting one. Um, so it's, it's interesting to hear the stage play. So enjoy. The action takes place in various locations in Washington, D.C. and on the United States Naval Base in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba in summer 1986. Scene. The stage is slightly raked and made up of wooden planks. Upstage and slightly right of center is a marine sentry tower, in front of which, running the width of the stage, is a barbed wire fence. The only other set pieces are plain wooden tables and chairs, which will be moved throughout the play by the actors. All settings of the play will be created by light and sound, clothing and text. For the Broadway production, Bed Edwards' set had three levels. In this script, the downstage level is returned to as number one, the middle level number two, and the top level number three. Scenes will frequently overlap with the end of one scene bleeding into the beginning of the next. At Rise, lights up on Dawson and Downey with two MPs standing behind them. Mo, you're on mute. Hi. Lance Corporal, sorry, Lance Corporal Harold W. Dawson have been informed by Special Agent R.C. McGuire of the Naval Investigative Service that I am suspected of conspiracy to commit murder, murder, and conduct unbecoming a United States Marine in the matter of Private William T. Santiago. I have also been advised that I have the right to remain silent and make no statement at all. Any statement I do make can be used against me in a trial by court-martial or other judicial administrative proceeding. I have the right to consult with the lawyer prior to further questioning. I am presently assigned to Rifle Security Company Windward, 2nd Platoon Delta, Nav Base, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. I am a PFC in the United States Marine Corps, assigned to Marine Rifle Security Company Windward, 2nd Platoon Delta. I will have been in the Marine Corps 10 months as of August. I entered Private Santiago's barracks room on the evening of 7 July at or about 2350. I was accompanied by PFC Lawden Downey. I was accompanied by my squad leader, Lance Corporal Harold W. Dawson. We tied his hands and feet with rope. We tied Private Santiago's hands and feet with rope, and we forced a piece of cloth into his mouth. We placed duct tape over his eyes and mouth. I have read this two-page statement that Special Agent McGuire has prepared for me at my request as we discussed its content. I have been allowed to make all changes and corrections, initializing those changes and corrections. These statements are true and factual, to the best of my knowledge. Lights change to Kathy's office as Sam enters. Kathy's in a hurry. Danny, you know what I just saw? Sam, I'm late. There's a lady from Captain Bronsky's office walking around the halls. Is she stealing things? No. What's the problem? 
Danny, ordinarily when the office of the judge advocate general sends a lawyer around to talk to the lawyers, it means someone screwed up. Have you done anything wrong? No. You sure? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I've been tired lately. Look, do me a favor, would you? Kathy puts three folders into his case and picks up a Yoo-Hoo. Sure. If she mentions anything about Dematis, you know, the engineer, my guy who was littering in the Admiral's tulip garden, would you cover me? Sure. Yeah? Kathy crosses right to steps up and steps up to the second level. I don't know what you're talking about, but sure. Yeah, no problem. Sam follows him. Danny. Sam, I'm late for a plea bargain. I'm representing an ensign who bought and smoked $10 worth of oregano. You thought it was dope? Watch his defense. His defense? His defense is I'm a schmuck. Actually, I smoke some of this stuff. I wouldn't let that. You're not concerned? Oh, please. What's he going to be charged with? Possession of a condiment? Danny, I'm talking about the lady from TJAG. Sam, my softball team's playing Bethesda Medical tomorrow. I can't be concerned with anything right now. I'll see you at lunch. He exits. LC, num LC number two. Sam exits. RC number two. Lights up in Whitaker's office. I'm Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway, sir. Isaac Whitaker, come on in. Thank you, Captain. I appreciate you seeing me on such short notice. Bronsky said it was important. Something about reopening a case. Yes. Bronsky's an old friend. He speaks very highly of you, sir. Crapola. Joe sits putting her attache on uh, of her chair. Hmm? Yes, sir. Oh, page left of her chair. I get it. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I've seen you around here, haven't I? You work across the yard at Appellate. My desk is at Appellate, but actually I work directly for the Office of the Judge Advocate General as Special Investigator in Internal Affairs. Of course, now I know how I know you. Your footprint has been tattooed to my behind any number of times. I don't know that I would put it quite that way. You were the one who recycled those 14B misdemeanors last winter. Yes, I believe that was me. 14B misdemeanors, drunk and disorderly. We had them closed. The blue copies of the charge sheet weren't filled to division with the IC1. Who gives a damn? There are rules, sure, sir. I I'm sure you understand. You had those guys working Christmas Day, working, writing out charge streets in longhand. Christmas Day, Commander. It was in the interest of justice, sir. Can I ask you a question? Of course, Captain. Are you here to bust anyone's ass? Absolutely not, sir. Nope, nope, not at all. Only if necessary. Fine then. You sit. What can I do for you? I'd like to request a favor. Good luck. During the following, an MP enters with Dawson and Downey. They sit on the downstage side of the ramp leading up to the top level. Joe stands handing a folder to Whitaker. Two prisoners are being held at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. They pleaded to murder two, conspiracy to commit, and conduct unbecoming. The MP exits. I petition Jake to deny the guilty pleas. What's the problem? Did someone misspell conspiracy? No, sir. Um, they, they confessed to murder at three in the morning at a 19-minute hearing without counsel. It's my sense that there's much more to this than what's written in the division report, which brings me to my request. Yes? It's, it's not a request so much as a, um, 
a recommendation. Yes. I think, I think the attorney assigned to the case should have a certain energy, uh, a, a real go-getter, someone who possesses not only the legal skill, but a familiarity with the inner workings of the military and singular passion for justice. Uh, in short, Captain, if I may be so bold, I'd like to suggest myself. Imagine my surprise. Joe Sitz takes out Bronsky's letter of recommendation from the side section of her attache and returns to Whitaker. I've brought a letter of recommendation from Captain Bronsky. She hands him the letter, which he does not open. You work for TJAG. You're a special investigator. Why do you want to get mixed up in grunt work again? Oh, I, I don't consider it grunt work, sir. It's going to be a 10-minute plea bargain and a week of paperwork. I would look forward to it with relish, sir. You always talk like this? I'm, an, I, I'm anxious to make a good impression. Relax. Yes, sir. So you want to take on trial work again? On with a vengeance, sir. How many cases did you handle when you were with the department? Altogether? Yes. Six. How'd you do? From what perspective? Your clients. Not well. Ah. Dave, a lawyer, enters down left with an open inter-office envelope and crosses upright of Joe to Whitaker. Those cases were lost on their merits, sir. I'm sorry, Isaac, this just came for you. Oh, thank you. This is uh, Lieutenant Commander Galloway. Really? How do you do? He shakes hands with Joe. Really enjoyed last Christmas. That'll be all. Dave exits down left. Whitaker removes several pages from the envelope and looks them over. Joe stands. So what do you say? Whitaker stands. Mander, may I call you Joanne? Yes, please. Joe. Joe, you seem like a fairly helpless, neurotic person. I appreciate that. And I'd like to help you out, but there are two things preventing me. The first is that despite your excellent credentials, it would appear that as a litigator, you suck. Yes, but I'm, I'm sure that... The second is that JAG already detailed a lawyer. They, they did? You must have convinced them this was pretty important. JAG never cares who I assign in this district. Oh, all right. Tough break. nice talking to you. I'll see you around. Joe turns to start down stage left and stops, turns back to him. Captain? Isaac. Isaac, um, would you mind if I met with the attorney attorney for a few minutes? We have a staff meeting at three. I'll be giving out assignments then. Excellent. Thank you. Try not to make anyone nervous. Yes, sir. I'll see you then. Conference room four. Thank you, Isaac. Oh, uh, Isaac? Joe? What's the name of the attorney? Daniel Cafe. Joe exits down left. Whitaker remains seated. Lights up on the brig. Dawson and Downey continue to sit in silence. Footsteps are heard coming from the upstage right number three. Ten, huh? Officer on deck. 
Dawson and Downey stand at attention as Markinson enters upstage right number three and walks up to the cell. They're giving you a lawyer. They're going to move you up to Washington, D.C. and give you a lawyer who's going to ask you some questions. I want you to remember something about these lawyers. They don't care about anything. They don't care about honor or loyalty. They don't care about the United States Marine Corps. They don't even care about you. They're clowns. That's why. So help me God, they're the only ones who can save you right now. I want you boys to be smart. Talk to the lawyer. Whitaker? I just settle for the OTH. It's his fourth UA. You're not going to do any better than that. That's all. He exits. Lights up on a staff meeting. What about a motion to suppress? On what grounds? Grounds? See, this is where your strategy begins to fall apart. Take the OTH. Happy enters down left. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm late. Well, I'm sure you have a good excuse. Oh, no. I just didn't really care enough about this meeting to be on time. At ease. He's kidding. Commander Galloway, this is Lieutenant Caffey. How do you do? You're a JG. I beg your pardon? I wrote a 17-page memo petitioning division, and they assigned a junior grade? Yeah. Did I miss something? Commander Galloway is from TJAG. Oh, uh, uh, whatever Sam did, it wasn't his fault. He's been tired. How was that? Thanks so much. Sam's pretty sure his little girl's about to say her first word any day now. Really? I didn't know that. She just looks like she has something to say. <laughs> She's 14 months old. What does she have to say? We've got a little pool going in the office. Ten bucks. Pick a word off the grid. <sighs> What's left? Rosebud. I'll pass. Kathy, this is yours. You've been detailed by Jag. Detailed to do what? Detailed to handle this. Everybody listen up. Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. A PFC named William Santiago writes a letter to his senator claiming that he knows the name of a Marine on the base who illegally fired around from his weapon over the fence line. Santiago ends the letter by saying he wants a transfer off the base in exchange for the identity of the felon. What's a fence line? Sam? A big wall separating the good guys from the bad guys. Teacher's pet. Gentlemen? Santiago writes a letter saying he'll reveal some guy's name. Do we know who? Lance Corporal Harold Dawson, his squad leader. Uh-oh. Dawson, by the way, claims that it wasn't an illegal shooting, that he was engaged at his post by a Cuban sentry and was returning fire. The fence line shooting, however, is absolutely beside the point. What's the point? Santiago's dead. What happened? Dawson and another member of his squad, PFC Loudon Downey, break into Santiago's room, tie him up, and stick a rag down his throat. You can see on page five, the attending physician says the rag was treated with some kind of toxin. They poisoned the rag? Not according to them. What do they say? Not much. Commander Galloway looked at their statements and had them recycled. 
They'll be brought up here to Washington in the morning and on Thursday at 0600, you'll catch a transport down to Cuba for the day to see what you can see. You'll report to the barracks CO, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Nathan Jessup. You know anything about him? Should I? Golden Boar of the Corps. He's the youngest colonel in North American command. He's got his eyes set on the National Security Council. Thank you, Commander. If Jessup's got anything good to say about the defendants, it'll help. Any questions? Was that 0600 in the morning, sir? Excuse me? Yes. Lieutenant Caffey, have you ever been in a courtroom? Commander? Joe. Joe, if this goes to court, they won't need a lawyer. They'll need a priest. No, they'll need a lawyer. Isaac, I want to say for the record that this is the least fun I've ever had at one of your staff meetings. Captain, there are two defendants. Jag only assigned them one attorney. Yeah, well, there are sworn confessions. I'm sure Jeff Caffey can handle the plea bargain himself. He's closed 39 cases in six months. One more and I get a set of steak knives. Okay. It just seems to me that six months down the line, Appalachia's going to look at this and it's going to be opened up again on the grounds of insufficient representation. An uncomfortable silence. No offense taken, if you were wondering. Having one attorney, attorney represents both defendants might look strange to an unusually thorough investigator. This is Jag's assignment, not mine. I don't care. Actually, you have the authority to appoint a co-counsel. Joe, it's an open and shut case. I think Christmas is a time when people should be with their loved ones, don't you, Captain? Sam. E? Work with Kathy on this. Doing what? Various administrative, you know, things. Sit second chair. In other words, I have no responsibilities whatsoever. Right. My kind of case. The two of you listen to me. This is important. You've got some leverage on this, but not much. Kind of leverage. This letter that Santiago wrote wasn't the first. In fact, it was the 12th. He put in four, tra four transfers six times in eight months, and nobody was listening. The last letter was just the last-ditch effort. Thank you, Commander. Joe. Do we have the letters? Yeah. Yeah. Am I right in assuming they don't paint a flattering picture of Marine Corps and life in Guantanamo Bay? That's right. Am I also right in assuming that if the letters, as well as the assault, were kept as quiet as possible, that the government might feel predisposed to offer a degree of leniency to the defendant? Right again. Steak Knife City. All right, look, don't get cute down there. The Marines in Guantanamo are fanatical. Uh, about what? Wake up on Santiago. Dear Senator. About being Marines. Moving on. My name is PFC William T. Santiago. I am a Marine stationed at Marine Barracks, Windward, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. I'm writing to inform you of my problems and to ask you for your help. Wednesday, May 18th, we were out on a PT run. I've fallen out of runs before for several reasons, such as feeling dizzy or nauseated, and on the 18th, we were running and I'd fallen back about 20 or 30 feet going down a rocky, unstable hill. My sergeant deliberately grabbed me and pushed me down the hill. Then I saw all black and the last thing I remember is hitting the deck. I was brought to the hospital where I was told I just had heat exhaustion and was explained to by the doctor that my body had trouble with the hot sun and I, hyper and I hyperventilate. I was put in remedial physical training and punished by the 
and punished by filling the sandbags every day after I stand my post on the fence line. I ask you to help me. Please, sir, I just need to be transferred out of RSC. Lights up on Jessup's office as Tom enters. Excuse me, sir. Captain Markinson and Lieutenant Kendrick to see you. Uh, thank you, Tom. Markinson and Kendrick enter. Good morning, Colonel. Matthew, John, have a seat. Thank you, sir. He sits. Gumball? No, thanks. John? Gumball? Thank you. No, sir. Ten hundred hours. It's always hot enough out there to melt the brass right off your collar. Just had a Navy guy in here telling me what, that we were lucky. After all, it's dry heat. Dry heat? It's 107 degrees outside. How am I supposed to feel about that? Matthew, you've been here the longest. Is this about as hot as it gets, or am I actually trapped in hell? Uh, this is about the hottest it's been since maybe uh, 84, Colonel. Is that right? I believe so. 84 was pretty bad, was it? Got up to 119. Capering half in smoke and half in fire. Moby Dick. John, when I quote Melville, you don't have to nod your head up and down like you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yes, sir. I'm not going to regard you as less of a man because you're not well-read. Thank you, sir. I mean that. I appreciate that, sir. Sure you won't have a gumball? Thank you, sir. 119 Fahrenheit. Yes, sir. I'll bet you had Marines passing out right and left. Actually, no, the men were all right. Nobody passed out? Or got dizzy? No dehydration? Not that I recall. Impressive. Yes, sir. You know why those Marines didn't pass out in 84, Jonathan? Even though it was 119 degrees by Captain Markinson's reckoning? You know why they stayed on the job? Why, sir? Because that's what they're fucking trained to do! Yes, sir. Who the fuck is PFC William T. Santiago? Lights up on Brig. Ten Hut. Good morning. My name's Joanne Galloway. Ma'am. Lance Corporal Harold W. Dawson, ma'am. Marine Barracks, Rifle Security, Company Windward. Ma'am. Private First Class Loudon Downey, ma'am. Standings. I work for the Navy JAG Corps. I'm the one who had you guys brought up here. I just wanted to stop in and see if there was anything you needed or any questions you wanted to ask. I'm sure you're both pretty confused and frightened. So um, anything I can help you with, any, any questions you might have? Ma'am, permission to speak? Go ahead. Uh, I got some Spider-Mans and some Batman sitting in my footlocker. Somebody will dog them for sure if they're not secured, ma'am. You think this is a joke? Ma'am, no, ma'am. How about you, Corporal? Is is this a joke? No, ma'am. It's not a joke, ma'am. I apologize to the commander, ma'am. I certainly didn't mean nothing. About the books, ma'am, I didn't mean nothing. You were read your Article 31 rights. Did you understand them? Uh, yes, ma'am. And did you understand them? Yes, ma'am. 
Say you understand them. Ma'am, I understand them, ma'am. Joe thinks for a moment and calls out. Can I get MP? Corporal, I'm going to talk to Private Downey alone for a minute. MP enters. Yes, ma'am. Would you take Corporal Dawson into a holding room, please? Aye, aye, Commander. Dawson doesn't move. Let's go. He still doesn't move. Hey. Ma'am. Permission to be dismissed. You're dismissed. Dawson turns and exits, followed by the MP. Hi. Go open the folder. Your only living relative over the age of 18 is Ginny Miller, your aunt on your mother's side. Is that correct? Danny doesn't respond. He's scared as hell. Ginny Miller? Yes, ma'am. She hasn't been contacted yet. Would you like me to contact her? I'll, I'll take care of that for you. Private, do, do you know why you're here? Danny's not good at pop quizzes. This is where the guard told me to stand. Loudon, may I call you Loudon? Yes, ma'am. Do you know where you are? A silence long enough for Joe to determine that Downey hasn't a clue. Do you know why you've been arrested? Willie died, ma'am. Why? Forget it. There's no way he knows the answer to this one. Was it an accident or did you mean to do it? Ma'am. Why did you want to hurt Santiago? 12 hours a day on the Cuban fence line is easy. Answering questions without Dawson in the room is hard. It was a code red, ma'am. What's a code red? This might have been a mistake. Loudon? Uh, ma'am, I don't need those comic books. You can have them if you like, ma'am. What's a code red? What did Markinson say? Ma'am, permission to speak. Sure. Are you, are you my lawyer, ma'am? I'm, no, I'm, I, I am a lawyer, but I'm not, I, I won't, I won't be representing you. Ma'am, Captain Markinson told us to talk to our lawyer, ma'am. That's what he told us to do. Lights up on a softball field. Kathy calls out to unseen players. All right, man on first, one down, let's go for two. Someone a little closer. Get a few out to Sherby. Out to the field. Get your glove down, Sherby. You got to get your glove down. Pick up some dirt with that ball. Joe crosses towards Kathy. Let's do it again. Man on first. One down. Let's go for two. Uh, excuse me? Kathy turns to see her. One second. Out to the field. I need you to trust me, Sherby. If you keep your eyes open while the ball is coming toward you, your chances of catching the ball increase by a factor of 10. Back to Joe. You want to suit up? We need all the help we can get. No, thank you. I can't throw and catch things. Kathy crosses downstage right. That's too bad because... Uh... I wanted to talk to you about Corporal Dawson and PFC Downey. Those names sound like they should mean something to me, but it's just not clicking in. Harold Dawson and Loudon Downey? If you could just give me one more hint, I could... Dawson! Downey, your, your clients. The Cuba thing, yes. Dawson and Downey. Crossed. Right. I was, I don't know, for a second, but uh, yes. Lance, Corporal Dawson, and, and, um, and... PFC Downey. Yes. I'm sorry. 
I've forgotten your name. Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway. I've done something wrong, haven't I? Yes. Okay, I was wondering why you two guys have been have been in jail since this morning while their lawyer is outside hitting a ball. We need the practice. That wasn't funny. It was a little funny. Have you read the IC one? You mean like actually read it? No, I mean, have you read it in the abstract? No, it's on my desk. Very close to the top of the pile. Lieutenant, would you feel very insulted if I recommended to your supervisor that he assign a different counsel? Why? I'm not sure how to say this without possibly hurting your feelings, but I don't think you're fit to handle this defense. You don't even know me. Normally it takes someone hours to discover I'm not a fit to handle a defense. Oh, come on. That was damn funny. I do know you. I know you went to Harvard Law on a Navy scholarship, and I know you're probably just treading water for the first three years, and you've got to serve us just kind of laying low till you can get out and get a real job, and that's fine, and I won't tell anyone, but my feeling is that this case is handled in the same fast food, slick-ass Parisian czar manner, which you seem to handle everything else with. Something's going to get missed. And I wouldn't be doing my duty if I allowed Dawson and Downey to spend more hours in jail than necessary because their attorney had to predetermine the path of least resistance. Wow. I'm sexually aroused, Commander. I'm not kidding. I don't think your clients murdered anybody. Well, we'll just have to take their word for it, won't we? I mean, I don't think there was intent. What are you basing this on? Instinct? Instinct! The doctor's report says Santiago died of asphyxiation brought on by acute lactic acidosis. Look it up. And that the nature of the acidosis strongly suggests poisoning. I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds pretty bad. The doctor's wrong. What a relief. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to use the liar liar pants on fire defense. Good one. That was funny. Thank you. Look, rest assured, I'm completely on top of the situation with Dawson and Donnelly. Downey. Downey? Right. I'll, I'll speak to your supervisor. I understand. You go straight up Pennsylvania Avenue. It's the big White House with the pillars in front. Thanks. I don't think you'll have much luck, though. Why not? I was detailed by JAG, remember? Somebody over there is under the impression that I'm a good lawyer. So while I appreciate your interest and admire your enthusiasm, I think I can pretty much cover things myself at this point. Do you know what a code red is? Parkinson puts down, a letter down on the table. I'm appalled, sir. No. What a pity. Joe exits. Lights up on Jessup's office. Appalled? Yes, sir. <clears throat> That's pretty strong language, Matthew. I mean, cool off before you work yourself into a lather. You're appalled? Santiago breaks the ca- chain of command, reports to a civilian organization, tells tales on another Marine, another member of his unit, another member of his squad, for Christ's sake. What the hell's going on over at Windward, Matthew? Colonel, I think it might be more appropriate if this discussion were held in private. Are you suggesting that the fault lies with Lieutenant Kendrick? 
Executive Office Windward is one of the most stressful positions in this hemisphere. No one knows better than I do. Lieutenant Kendrick doesn't have, doesn't have half the experience it takes to command that wall. I certainly beg your pardon, Captain, but I won't take the blame for Private Santiago. I'm not talking about Private Santiago. I'm talking about Private Santiago and Private Barnes and Corporal McNally and Corporal Eastman and Gunnery Sergeant Hughes. You're doing something wrong, Lieutenant. My methods of leadership are what brought me to this base. Don't interrupt me. I'm still your superior officer. And I'm yours, Matthew. Colonel, I've suggested it before and I'll suggest it again. Move Lieutenant Kendrick to the leeward side of the base where there's an ocean between our perimeter and the enemy. Let him cut his teeth there. And for Christ's sake, transfer Santiago out of here before he gets his ass kicked. Transfer Santiago. Right away. Now, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you're right. I suppose that's the thing to do. He closes a folder. Wait. Wait. I got a better idea. Let's transfer the whole squad off the base. We better do that. Let's, on second thought, Windward, the whole Windward division, let's transfer them off the base. John, go on out there and get those boys down off the fence. They're packing their bags. Tom. Tom enters. Yes, sir. Get the president on the phone. We're surrendering our position in Cuba. Tom turns to exit. Oh, wait a minute. Tom turns. Don't call the president. Maybe that's the wrong thing to do. Maybe we should consider this for a second. Maybe instead of surrendering the fight because a Marine made a mistake, maybe we should train Santiago. What do you think? I'm just spitballing. But maybe we, as officers, have a responsibility to this country to see that the men charged with its security are trained professionals. Maybe we have that responsibility to other members of the Corps. Yes, yes. I'm certain I once read something like that. See, and now I'm trying to think about how I'd feel if some Marine got hurt or killed because a PFC in my command didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And I'm trying to think about how the other members of his unit might feel, putting their lives in the hands of a man they can't count on. And this brief mediation has brought me around to thinking that your suggestion of transferring Private Santiago off the base, while expeditious and certainly painless, might not be, in a manner of speaking, the American way. Kendrick stays at Windward. Santiago stays on the wall. Colonel, that's a mistake. The Santiago incident isn't going to go away all by itself. Tom, thank you. Tom exits. Matthew, I believe I will have a word with you alone for just a moment. Jonathan, you're dismissed. Why don't you and I have dinner at the O Club, 1930? I'd be delighted, sir. Thank you. That's all. Kendrick exits. Matthew, sit, please. Thank you, sir. What do you think of Kendrick? He's a good man. I think he's kind of a weasel myself. Yes, sir. But he's an awfully good officer. And in the end, we see eye to eye on the most efficient way to run a Marine Corps unit. We're in the business of saving lives, Matthew. 
With every degree that we allow ourselves to move off the mark of perfection as officers, more people die. That's a responsibility that I take pretty seriously because I absolutely believe that simply taking a Marine who's not yet up to the job and packing him off to another assignment is the same as sending a kid into the jungle with a weapon that backfires. Markinson starts to stand. Matthew, sit down. I'm younger than you are, Matthew. And if that's a source of tension or embarrassment for you, well, I don't give a shit. I'm in the business of saving lives, Captain Markinson. Don't ever question my orders in front of another officer. Lights up on the brig. Officer on deck, 10 hut. Hi. Hi. Sir. W. Dawson, sir. Someone hasn't been working and playing well with others, Harold. Uh, yes, sir. The Private First Class Loudon Downey, sir. I'm Daniel Caffey, your attorney. This is Sam Weinberg. He's from the AC Nelson Company. He's going to talk to you about viewer preferences in the Caribbean Command. You can sit down. Downey and Dawson sit. Caffey takes out two signed affidavits and shows one to Dawson. Is this your signature? Yes, sir. You don't have to call me, sir. Then Is this your Downey. signature? Do yes, sir. <clears throat> and you certainly don't have to do it twice in one sentence. Either of you guys like baseball? S- sir? Really, you don't have to call me, sir. I was just asking if you liked baseball. Sir? What's a code red? Sir, a code red is a disciplinary engagement. I don't understand. Sir, a Marine falls out of line. It's up to the men in his unit to get him back on track. These disciplinary engagements occur often? Yes, sir. What's a garden variety code red? Sir? Harold, you say sir, and I turn around and look for my father. Daniel, Danny, Dan, Kathy. This, this can be fun, you know? It doesn't have to be unpleasant. Garden variety. Typical. What's a basic code red? Sir, a Marine has refused to bathe on a regular basis. The men in his squad would give him a GI shower. What's that? Scrub brushes, Brillo pads, steel wool. Beautiful. The attack on Santiago was a disciplinary engagement. Yes, sir. Do you ever talk? Lieutenant, Private Downey will answer any direct questions you ask him, sir. Well, it says in the report you deny putting poison on the rag. Was, what was it you were gonna do? Sure. What was the code red? <clears throat> we were gonna shave his hair, sir. We were uh, just gonna shave his hair. When all of a sudden, We saw blood dripping out of his mouth. We pulled the tape off his mouth and pulled the gag out, sir. Was there more blood? All down his face, sir. And then the corporal, and then Corporal Dawson called the ambulance. Did anyone see you call the ambulance? No, sir. 
Were you there when the ambulance got there? Yes, sir. That's when we were taken under arrest, sir. I want to tell you guys about something called attorney-client privilege. It means that you can say anything you want to us in here, and we can't repeat it without your permission. It's against the law. We took an oath. You took the oath, didn't you, Sam? Yeah. Sam took the oath? My fingers were crossed. Sam? I took the oath. So you can tell us, I need you to tell us, Harold, did you assault Santiago with the intent of killing him? No, sir. What was your intent? To give Private Santiago a code red, sir. Why? To train him, sir. Train him to do what? Train him to think of his unit before himself, sir. Train him to respect the code. What's the code? Unit. Core, God, country. I beg your pardon? Unit, core, God, country. That's what you're supposed to fight for. Sam, what's it matter if they're supposed to fight for? Never mind. Unit, core, God, country, sir. That's a code. Right. We'll be back. Is there anything you need? Books, paper, cigarettes, a ham sandwich? Sir, no thank you, sir. Harold, there's a concept I think you better start warming up to. Except case up off the seat of the chair. Sir. I'm the only friend you've got. Lights up on Ross. Dan Caffey. Smiling Jack Ross. Welcome to the big time. Don't flatter yourself. I hope for Dawson and Downey's sake, you practice law better than you play softball. Unfortunately for Dawson and Downey, I don't do anything better than I play softball. What are we talking about? They plead guilty to manslaughter. I'll drop the conspiracy and the conduct unbecoming. 20 years, they'll be home in 12. They called the ambulance, Jack. I don't care if they called the Avon lady. They killed a Marine. Says who? I've got a doctor who says he's sure. Remarkable conclusion to reach, given that no poison showed up in the autopsy. Are you a doctor? No. But if shouldn't, it shouldn't be hard to round some up. It'll only take me four to six weeks. Meantime, I'll move for a postponement. How's that? Don't fuck around with this one, Danny. I can recommend 11. Do you know what a code red is? <laughs> Where do you get this shit? Gomer Pyle? A Marine steps out of line, his room's a little messy, his hair's too long, he breaks the chain of command and informs on another Marine. Apparently, it's up to the men in his unit to give him a little punishment. Involuntary, they won't do more than 10. They kick him around or they shove him in a shower and scrub him down with steel wool, they shave his head. I, I can't go lower than involuntary. Tell me. From a public relations standpoint, what's the worst thing about this case? Hmm? That these code reds go on all the time and no one ever reports them? Or that it was a Puerto Rican that got killed? Involuntary 8 to 10. 7. Parole in 28 months. That's out of the question. Extra, extra. Read all about it. You're not intimidating me, pal of mine. No? I thought it was working. You want seven years, 
I need more on code red. I'm going down to Cuba tomorrow. I'm going to bring back a statement from this Jessup guy that's going to tell you all you ever wanted to know about the subject. When I do, I'd like you to recommend the seven years. In exchange, I'll plead guilty to aggravated assault and use what influence I have to convince my clients not to sell the movie rights. <laughs> Did I say something funny? We'll talk when you get back. Jack, do we have a deal? Work for it. Jack, do we have a deal? <laughs> you don't know it yet, pal, but you're going to school tomorrow. Lights up on Kathy's office. Joe sits at his desk. Hi. Come on in. Thank you. Any luck getting me replaced? No. I spoke to half a dozen people at division. Is anyone in this command that, you, is there anyone in this command that you don't either drink or play softball with? Joe, I have no inbred hostility toward you. I really don't. But if you ever speak to a client of mine again without my permission, I'll have you disbarred. I had authorization. You had authorization from where? Downey's closest living relative, Jenny Miller, his aunt on his mother's side. I thought it might be unethical, but as long as it wasn't illegal, then what the hell? You got authorization from Aunt Ginny? Yeah, I gave her a call. I thought she might be concerned perfectly within my province. And uh, you know what she said? You got authorization from Aunt Ginny. She said she's positive some mistakes have been made. Does Aunt Ginny have a barn? We can hold the trial there. I can sew the costumes and maybe his uncle Gooper could be the judge. I'll get out of your way now. Thank you. Was your father Lionel? Yes. Really? I'm pretty sure. I've studied, you know, all, all his... And I, I think he was one of the best trial lawyers ever. I've read everything he's written, like a, a lot. Me too. Right. Right. You know what's odd? What's odd? At 1.30, almost an hour after Santiago dies, the doctor, Commander Stone, he couldn't determine the cause of the death. But four hours later, he said it was poison. <laughs> of course, I, I, I see what you mean. Do you? It had to be Professor Plum with the candlestick. Cafe. Somewhere between 1.30 and 5.30, someone met with the doctor and told him to say it was poison. Someone coerced the doctor. Someone coerced the doctor. Do you work with a Ouija board? I'm going down to QB with you tomorrow. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. I called my office. They're sending me in an observation and evaluation field trip. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh-huh. Is this what you meant by I'll get out of your way now? Sam enters with two bottles of beer. 
She's asleep now. When Laura gets back, you're my witness. The baby spoke. My daughter said a word. Your daughter made a sound. Not sure it was a word. Oh, come on. It was a word. Okay. You heard her. The girl sat there, sat here, pointed and said, pa. She did. She said, pa. She was pointing at a doorknob. That's right. Pointing as if to say, pa, look, a doorknob. Samuel. Why do two guys with the intent of killing someone call an ambulance when they see blood? Why does anybody do anything? That's not good enough. Good enough for me. No, it's not. Why do they call an ambulance when they see blood? You say. They say they called the ambulance. They panicked. I don't know about Downey, but Dawson's never panicked about anything in his life. I think the clients are lucky your lead counsel. You'd let the hammer drop. I'd serve him to division with a fucking cherry on top. Thank you, Judd, for the defense. Have a good night. Remember to wear your whites. It's hot down there. I don't look good in whites. Nobody looks good in whites, but you're going to Cuba in July. You got Dramamine? Dramamine keeps you cool? Dramamine keeps you from throwing up. You get sick when you fly. I get sick when I fly because I'm afraid of crashing into a big mountain. I don't think the Dramamine will help. I've got some oregano. I hear that works pretty good. Sam, did you know there's only one piece of evidence linking them to the crime? It's their presence at the scene. They stood there and waited for the MPs to show up. Ask them what they're supposed to fight for. Sam, they stood, they stood there and waited to be arrested. Of course. These two people have a fierce sense of honor. Lights up on a platoon meeting. And hut. Report. Sir, Corporal Dunn, Alpha Squad present, sir. Corporal Thomas, Bravo's present, sir. Sir, Corporal Hamaker, sir, Charlie Squad's present. Sir, Lance Corporal Dawson, Delta Squad's present, less two. Report. PFC Santiago and PFC Downey, sir. Private Santiago has been excused from the meeting. Where's Downey? Private Downey radioed into the switch, sir. His Jeep blew out. He and Pickup are making it back by foot. Pass on my words to Private Downey. Yes, sir. Revelations 2. I know thy works and thy labor and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles, and has found them to be liars. If you have a problem, and you're a PFC, who do you take that problem to? Sir, sir you're a corporal, corporal sir. sir. If you have a problem, and you're a corporal, who do you take that problem to? Sir, sir you're a sergeant, sergeant, sir. sir. Private Santiago of Delta Squad has laid waste our priorities and made wretched our code. Priorities. Unit. Unit. Core. God. God. Country. Code. Unit. Unit. Core. God. Country. Priorities. Unit. Core. God. Country. Code. Unit. Unit. Core. God. God. Country. Country. Do you need someone from outside this unit to show you how to be good? 
sir. sir. No, no sir. sir. Do you need someone from outside this unit to show you how to be right? Sir, sir. No, sir. no, sir. Corporal Dunn. Sir. You think you and the boys of Alpha Squad could show Private Santiago how to be right? Sir, yes, sir. Anybody in Alpha goes near him, you'll answer to me. Is that clear? Sir. Is that clear? Sir, yes, sir. Alpha's dismissed. Dunn exits. Corporal Thomas. Sir. How about my brave men of Bravo? I bet I turned this over to your boys in Santiago as a Marine by sunrise. Am I right? Sir, yes, sir. Bravo touches him and you'll all be filling sandbags till you beg for mercy. Dismissed. Thomas exits. Corporal Hammaker. Sir. I have two things to say to you. The first is that I believe in my heart that you and the men of Charlie's squad are outstanding Marines and that your influence over the private would be invaluable. The second is that the government of the United States maintains a military installation in the Arctic Circle and you and the men of Charlie will find yourselves scraping icicles off of igloos in a heartbeat if you so much as look funny at the private. Is that clear? Yes, sir. No code reds. Is that clear? Sir, yes, sir. No code reds. Is that clear? Sir, yes, sir. No code reds. Is that clear? Sir, yes, sir. Dismissed. Aimaker exits. Kedrick stands next to Dawson, both facing front. Lance Corporal Dawson. Kendrick turns his head to Dawson. Lights up on Santiago's room. Santiago is dragged on by Downey. His hands and feet are tied with rope and his eyes are covered with duct tape. Dawson joins them. Help me! Downey holds Santiago's head back as Dawson stuffs a piece of white cotton cloth into his mouth. This is my job, Private, okay? It's my responsibility. I've got to train you how to be right. You're a Marine and you've got honor. You can't make mistakes, Private. You don't make mistakes. Not while you're in my squad. The Corps helps those who help themselves. Downey's roll of dull gray duct tape. You're lucky it's us, Willie. Could be worse. Could be somebody else. Tears off a piece of duct tape and wraps it around Santiago's mouth. Blackout. A platoon of Marines is heard chanting during which the set changes. Lift your head and lift it high. Lift your your head head and lift it it high. Delta companies passing by. Delta companies passing by. by. I don't know what I've been told. I don't, I don't know, know what I've been told. All Marines are mighty bold. All Marines are mighty, mighty bold. bold. Sound off. One, One two. two. Sound off. Three, four. Sound off. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. The chanting continues over the sounds of jets taking off and landing. As Howard, a Marine, crosses to meet Kathy, Joe, and Sam as they enter. We're on a landing strip. All are wearing dark glasses. Kathy and Sam are dressed in summer whites. Joe in khakis. The sun shines very bright in Guantanamo Bay. Howard shouted, shouts over the noise. Lieutenant Kathy and Weinberg. Yeah. Commander Galloway. Corporal Howard, ma'am, I'm escorting you to the wind side, windward side of the house. Our base. Thank you. I have Thank some camouflage jackets in the jeep, sirs. I'll have to ask you both to put them on. Camouflage jackets? Yes, sir. Regulations. We'll be riding pretty close to the fence, sir. 
The Cubans see an officer in white, they think it's someone they might want to take a shot at. Good call, Sam. The Jeep's right over here, ma'am. We'll just hop on the ferry and be there in no time. We have to take a boat? Yes, sir, to get to their side of the bay. Whitaker didn't say anything about a boat. Is there a problem, sir? No, no problem. I'm just not crazy about boats. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, Kathy, you're in the Navy for crying out loud. You want to get hold of yourself? Kathy crosses to Howard, shouting. Nobody likes her very much. Yes, sir. Lights up on Jessup's office. Nathan Jessup, come on in and sit down. Kathy shakes his hand. Thank you. I'm Daniel Kathy. This is Commander Joe Galloway. She's observing and evaluating. How do you do? They shake hands. Pleased to meet you, Commander. Sam Weinberg, he has no responsibilities here whatsoever. I've asked Captain Markinson and Lieutenant Kendrick to join us. Matthew's company commander and Jonathan's XO for the windward side. Gentlemen, meet Lieutenants Caffey and Weinstein. Weinberg. And Commander Galloway. How do you do? Lieutenant Caffey, I had the pleasure of meeting your father once. I was a teenager and he spoke at my high school. Caffey smiles and nods. Lionel Caffey? Yes, sir. Well, Jiminy goddamn cricket. Jonathan, you're too young to know, but this man's dad once made a lot of enemies down in your neck of the woods. Jefferson versus Madison County School District. Folks down there said a little Negro boy couldn't go to a white school. Lionel said, we'll see about that. How the hell is your dad? I'm sorry, sir? Still trying to overthrow the government? Not any longer, sir. Oh, no. Did he pass away? Yes, sir. I'm sorry, son. Thank you, sir. Seven years ago. Well, don't I feel like a fucking asshole? Not at all, sir. What can we do for you, Danny? Actually, Colonel, quite a bit. One letter from you or your officers could go a long way toward reducing, toward reducing the boy's sentences. A letter saying what, Danny? Saying that Code Reds are a practiced custom on the base and that Dawson and Downey, otherwise exceptional Marines, were simply disciplining one of their own when an accident happened. Well, I have some tragic news for you, Danny. What's that, Colonel? You made the long trek to Cuba for nothing. Well, I think if you give me ten minutes of your time, I can persuade you. John, check your watch. Kendrick looks at his watch. Go. Lights up on Santiago. Dear Senator, I've written to you before on my problems with my unit here in Cuba. I am threatened or picked on almost every day by the members of my own unit. If they write me up on charges of malingering and say that I'm making believe I'm sick. I fainted during a run and asked to go to the doctor and they paid no attention. I've been warned by a friend to keep quiet because they're looking for any little detail so they can write me up. I do not want to be part of any unit or organization who endangers the lives of their men just by training them. Please help me resolve this problem. Or if I could call you, sir, I could explain it a lot better. Lights up on Jessup's office. The meeting continues. Danny, this was no code red. Well, that's really a matter of no danny i'm sorry i really am lieutenant kendrick 
told the men specifically not to give Santiago a code red. When was this? 1600 hours, 7 July. We had a meeting here, and then Lieutenant Kendrick spoke to 2nd Platoon. We anticipated the code red, and we tried to prevent it. Code reds are a privilege. Code reds are for those worth the time. Santiago was a weak link, and he was dangerous. He wasn't worth the time, and the men knew it. Knew I felt that way. How would they know that, sir? Because as soon as I saw the letter, I ordered him his immediate transfer off the base. Santiago was about to be transferred. At 0200 that morning. Two hours too late, as it turned out, because at midnight, your client stuck a rag soaked with antifreeze down his throat. Uh, sir, the boys say there was no poison on the rack. Joe. The doctor says there was. Colonel, do you still have a copy of the transfer order? Right here. Can I hold on to that? Now, what's that supposed to mean? I'm sorry? How am I supposed to feel about that? <laughs> She's... I I didn't mean to imply... Of course you did. No, sir. It's a matter of... I was feeling very friendly toward you and your team of lawyers when mistrust reared its ugly head. Mistrust is the farthest thing... Of course you can have a copy of the order. I'm here to help any way I can. Thank you, sir. You believe that, don't you? That I'm here to help any way I can course i have three copies of that order and more than happy to let you have one it's it's just that i have to ask me nicely i beg your pardon you have to ask me nicely sir may i please have kind of garbanzo nonsense is this joe We don't work for you, Colonel. We're investigating a crime. We are not investigating a crime. Joanne, you seem a trifle perturbed. How about a gumball? No, thank you, sir. I wonder if you could ask, if I could ask you a question, though. No. Name it. Between 1.30 and 5.30 on the morning of the 8th, did you meet with Dr. Stone? Commander, the Colonel doesn't need to answer that. Of course he does. No, he really doesn't. Yeah, yeah, he really does. You know, it just sunk in. She outranks him. She outranks you. Yes, sir. I want to tell you something and listen up, because I mean this. You're the luckiest man in the world. There is, believe me, gentlemen, nothing sexier on earth than a woman you have to salute in the morning. Promote them all, I say, because this is true. If you've never gotten a blowjob from a superior officer, then you are letting the best of life pass you by. Did you consult with the doctor that night? Back off, Commander. You see, my problem is, of course, that I'm a lieutenant colonel. I'll have to keep taking cold showers till they elect some gal president. I need you to answer my question, Colonel. Oh, you'll get an answer. I need it now, sir. Take caution in your tone, Commander. 
I'm a fair guy. But this fucking heat's making me absolutely crazy. Yes, of course I had a meeting with the doctor. One of my men was dead. Thank you, sir. Hey, listen, we'll get out of your hair. I, I just need a piece of paper that says Santiago died due to an accident that occurred during a code red. Lieutenant Caffey, I believe in God and his son, Jesus Christ. And because I do, I can say this. Private Santiago isn't dead because of a code red. He's dead because he had no honor. He's dead because he had no code. And God was watching. How do you feel about that theory? Sam? I don't like you people. Look at this. Another Christmas card I'm not going to get. That's it. Two of you wait outside. I apologize. Wait outside. You too. Please excuse us. Joanne, how about I shut my eyes and pretend I'm just a chief petty officer? You've still got an hour before your plane leaves. What do you say? What would I do with the other 59 minutes, Colonel? She and Sam exit. Colonel, however you may feel about the value of these code reds or the intent of my clients, on the night of the 7th, the fact is none of it looks very good to the outside world. Now, I can't detain you or charge you with a crime, but on a slow news day, I could sure as hell piss on your National Security Council seat. So what I'm saying is this. Why don't you let me be your attorney? I'll draft a statement and I'll make sure you're safe. Meanwhile, my guy gets a break and everybody's happy. He sits resting his hands on the table. Danny? Yes, sir. Did I just hear you threaten me? I was just laying out a possible option, sir. I don't think so. I think I heard you threatening me. I think you thought you were going to walk in here and flash a badge and that was going to mean something. I eat breakfast 70 yards away from 3,000 Cubans who are trained to kill me. Happy removes his hands from the table as Jessup slams his hands down on the table. Danny, believe this. I'd kill you. I'd kill everyone in this room. I'd kill anyone to protect what I am paid to protect. Go home. Back behind the lines. Go home where your white uniform won't get you killed. Give in to what I'm saying. You believe every word? Lieutenant Kendrick? Ten minutes. Meeting's over, Navy. Anchors away. Kathy stands and moves to leave. Daniel! Transfer order. Kathy turns to Jessup, who offers him a copy of the transfer order. Ah. Uh, I don't need it. Lights up outside Je- Jessup's office. I believe in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. Good. We'll just take that gun out of your hands now. Kathy <sighs> enters. He's agitated. What happened in there? Nothing. You mean nothing? Nothing. Nothing happened. 
Will he give you a statement? No, I'll come up with something else. Excuse me, sir. What? These are your security tags for the flight back. They've got your flight code. Thank you. Yep, it's a AF-40 transport. It doesn't have any windows, but it fits. Kathy gives security tags to Sam and Joe who attach them to their cases. I'm sure it'll be fine. It doesn't have any windows, but it gets you there. The AF-40 is fine. Neil's downstage and attaches security tag to his case. You better be sure to keep them tags secure, sir. You don't want to lose them. The boys out at the strip like to hassle you Navy people now and again when they get the shot. Why? What did we ever do to them? Oh, nothing, sir. The Navy's been great, sir. Every time we got to go someplace and fight, you boys always give us a ride. The Jeep. Yes, sir. I'll be back. Too sweet. He does an about face and exits. Listen, Joe. Uh, I made a joke the other day about being sexually aroused. I'm sorry. It was rude and unprofessional. Bit your ass, sugar bear. You've observed, you've evaluated, it's over. Tomorrow morning they'll be arraigned and if I can work up something fast, they'll get aggravated assault and that's the end of it. Puts on his hat and dark glasses and exits down left. Sam stands and follows. You boys always give us a ride. Wonder how long he's been working on that one. Turns to Joe. I hate this place. They exit. Lights up on Jessup's office. First thing we do, let's kill all the lawyers. Shakespeare. I hate casualties, Matthew. A Marine smothers a grenade and saves his platoon. That Marine's doing his job. There are casualties, even in victory. The fabric of this base, the foundation of the unit, the spirit of the core, these things are worth fighting for. And there's no one who doesn't know that who's ever made the choice to put on the uniform. I hate casualties. Dawson and Downey, they're smothering a grenade. Just the same, sir. If I were you, I'd get myself a lawyer. Lights out. Marines chanting. What are you going to do when you get back? What are you going to do, do when, when you, get you get back? Take a shower and hit the rack. Take, Take a, shower a shower and hit, hit the, the rack. rack. Oh, no. Not me. Oh, no. Not us. Uh, what are we, we going to do, do when, when we, we get, get back? Polish up or sneak attack. Lights up on the brig. Officer on deck. Kathy enters. Why did you care that Santiago was writing a letter? Sir. I want to know why you cared. It was a code red, sir. Colonel Jessup thinks you're full of shit. He doesn't think you were just trying to train Santiago. He thinks you were trying to kill him. That's not true, sir. Private. The lieutenant didn't ask for an opinion. What's true? Why did you care? It was a code red, sir. 8,000 men on that base. Why did you care? I was a squad leader, sir. It was my job, sir. Yeah, but why did you care? Private Santiago broke... Not you, him. 
Why did you care? Sir, Private Santiago broke No, the- no, 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 no. I don't want to hear about your chain of command. I don't want to hear about your loyalty. I don't want to hear about your bozo code of honor. Why did you care? Sir, Private Santiago Did broke- you just hear what I said? Private Santiago needed to learn how to- Why did you care? He- A weak link. We have a responsibility. Bullshit. Why did you care? Because God was watching. Kathy stopped in his tracks. What did Kendrick say to you? The platoon meeting. Dawson turns to face Kendrick. God is watching, Lance Corporal Dawson. And he helps those who help themselves. And so do I. Get your house in order, Lance Corporal. Unit, core, God, country. And duty to self simply isn't part of the equation. Get your house in order so that these men can believe in you again. Get your house in order so that the Lord our God can look down and say, there is a United States Marine. And I will stand at his side. Get your house in order. And don't let anybody ever tell you we're not at war. Would you like me to tell you what to do now? Sir. Yes, sir. Lights up on the brig. You were given an order. Yes, sir. Lieutenant Kendrick gave you an order to give Santiago a code red. Yes, sir. You mind telling me why the hell you never mentioned this before? You didn't ask us, sir. Cutie pie shit's not going to win you a place in my heart, Corporal. I get paid no matter how much time you spend in jail. Yes, sir. I know you do, sir. Oh, fuck you, Harold. Here's what's going to happen. You'll swear out deposition against Kendrick saying that he ordered the code red. If you do, I think I can get a good deal. I think I can get six months. Wow, Kathy, you're the greatest lawyer in the world. How can we ever thank you? Fellas, I just told you, you're gonna go home in six months. Sir, permission to speak. Speak. Begging the lieutenant's pardon. What? I'm afraid we can't do that, sir. Can't do what? Make a deal, sir. I'm afraid I can't say that Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red. Look. Are you telling me the truth? About the meeting? Yes, sir. But you won't say so in a written statement. Not so we can make a deal. I'm afraid not, sir. Why? We live by a code, sir. Either we were right or we were wrong. We don't make deals. (gasps) Well, zippity-doo-dah. You don't turn government evidence. The best I can get you is seven years. That's fine, sir. (laughs) It's not fine, you pompous asshole. I'm offering you six months. What do we do then, sir? When? 
after six months, sir. What do we do after six months? I'm, I'm talking to you about- We didn't oh. join because we felt like it. We joined because it was a life decision. We wanted to live by a code, sir. And we found it in the core. And now you're asking me to sign a piece of paper that says we have no honor, we have no code. You're asking us to say that we're not Marines. We're being tested. And if we fail, I'm asking you, sir, with all due respect for your lieutenant's bars, what do we do after six months? Kathy Dawson stare down at each other for a long moment. You guys are a freak show. Outside the brig, Joe enters down right and crosses to Kathy. What they say? Are you just following me around 24 hours a day? Markazin resigned his commission. What? Captain Markazin resigned his commission. When? Tonight, after we left. I'll get in touch with him tomorrow. I already tried. I can't find him. What'd they say? Joe, this really comes under the heading of none of your business. I'm Loudon Downey's attorney, Aunt Jenny. She feels like she's known me for years. She said she'd feel very comfortable if I were directly involved in the case. Loudon signed the papers an hour ago. And Kathy Golden. I'd appreciate it, by the way, if you didn't speak to my clients without my permission. But since you did, what'd they say? You make me nervous, Joanne. Hands folder back to Joe. I'm involved in a situation in which the stakes couldn't be higher. I'm not going to take time out to give tutorials, criminal procedure to a restless dilettante with a gut feeling. That was a nice speech. What'd they say? Kendrick gave them an order. Well, what do we do now? Find Jack Ross. Lights up in a conference room. The argument's pretty heated. You talk to the other guys in the platoon. I don't need to. Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, they all say the same thing. Kendrick specifically said not to touch Santiago. They weren't there. He dismissed the platoon. You talk to Kendrick. I already talked to Kendrick. He denies everything. You talk to Kendrick? Sorry. Why did you think there was anything to deny? Joanne, I had a suspicion. You had a suspicion. It's not, it's not important now. Sam sits. You had a suspicion and you chose not to share it with anyone? It was just a suspicion. You're in violation of about 14 articles of code of ethics. This is Joanne Galloway. She's very pleased to meet you. Ebenezer Galloway. She's Downey's attorney. And you're about 30 seconds away from a felony evidence tampering charge. You want to charge me with something? How long were you going to... Joe, this is another one of those situations. No, 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 you know. Ask him how he's getting his information. 12, 24, 72 hours. You want to charge me with something, lady? Let's settle down, huh? No, please, I'm begging you, charge me with something. Hey, in the interest of justice, everybody take a deep knee bend. You take a break for a moment. Kendrick had a platoon meeting. 
He told the men what Santiago had done. And he told them that Santiago was not to get a code red. I have Kendrick's deposition as well as the depositions of every other man at that meeting. Kendrick's lying, Jack. I think you're right. I think he's lying. But so what? Neither of us can prove it. I'm not sure about that. Why does a Marine captain resign his commission after 21 years? We'll never know. You don't think I can subpoena Markinson? You can try, but you won't find him. You know what Markinson did for the first 17 years of his 21 years in the Corps? CIC, down Danny, counterintelligence, Markinson's gone. There is no Markinson. The wind has been taken out of Cappy's sails. RSC is an effective unit, and Lieutenant Colonel Jessup stars on the rise. They'll let me bend over backwards to spare that base, and the Corps, any embarrassment. So this is it. Aggravated assault, seven years. All things considered, it's not a bad week's worth for the defense. He's blind. He's got a PR problem, and he can't afford to go to court. Commander! Every time you open your mouth, you're taking years off the client's lives. Now shut up! Sorry, Jack. No, she's absolutely right. I can't afford to go to court. Lucky for you, huh, Danny? You're turning green at the thought of it. No, taking this to court would be bad for me. It'd be bad for the Marine Corps, and I'd be held responsible. But you go to court... And the boys go away for 30 years. Jack, are we clear on that? We have to be clear on that. Once we go outside this room, I have to go all the way. They'll be charged with murder. And in a courtroom, you lose this case. Please. I'm the judge advocate. And I'm telling you, I don't think your guys belong in jail. But I don't get to make that decision. I represent the people without passion. You see? And the people have a case. If you could get me written statements from the defendants, they'd do six months. Without the statements, it's seven years. Believe a thing this woman tells you and they won't see the light of day till they're 59. That's the end of this negotiation. From this moment, we're on the record. Tomorrow morning, 9.45, I'll see you at the arraignment. He exits. Can I speak now? I'm not gonna talk to Dawson anymore. He won't take the deal. He doesn't like me. He's gonna go to jail just to spite me. So my job is done. I'm not talking about a deal. I won't have this conversation. Ma'am? It's an unwinnable case. Let's take the seven years and run as a gift. It's not a gift. I won those seven years. Yeah, keep telling yourself that. What do you want from me? Why are you so afraid to be a lawyer? Oh, Jesus. Are daddy's expectations really that high? Hey, Commander, Downey's your client. If you want to take him into that- Go to hell. Go to hell for saying that when you know I need Dawson, you know I need you. They think you, they think they were right. Let him be judged. Don't make the deal. Make the argument. Let him be judged by a jury in a courtroom. Tell Dawson you want to plead not guilty. 
Tell Dawson you're going to make his argument for him. An argument that didn't work for Callie at Mylai and an argument that didn't work for the Nazis at Nuremberg. For Christ's sake, Sam, do you really think that that's the same as two teenage Marines executing a routine order that they never believed would result in harm? I don't represent the Nazis. They're not my problem tonight. That's right. So what are you gonna do? Danny. I'm sorry. Ross is right. In a courtroom, we lose this case. No, that's not. I can't jeopardize what we have. But you know they're right. You know it. I know the law. You know nothing about the law. You're a used car salesman, Daniel. You're an ambulance chaser with a rank. You're nothing. Live with that. Exits. Sam and Kathy remain silent for a moment. Sam? Sam turns front. Why does a junior grade with six months experience and a track record for plea bargaining get detailed for a murder case? Would it be to make sure that it never sees the inside of a courtroom? Lights out, transition. Up in the morning with the rising sun. Up, Up in the, the morning, morning with the rising, with the rising sun. sun. Gonna run all day till the day is done. Gonna run, Gonna run all day till the day, the day is, is done. done. Left, right. One, One two, two. Go right. Three, four. Left, right. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. The brig as Kathy enters. Kathy has been drinking. Dawson hears Kathy and wakes up. It's late at night. We've got you guys in separate cells now, huh? Yes, sir. You want to hear a joke? Hmm. You hear about the Japanese pilot who hated jazz? He bombed Pearl Bailey. I was 99% sure you weren't going to laugh at that. You want some milk? Good for the teeth and bones. No, thank you, sir. Well, <clears throat> I don't know how to else to say this. <laughs> I think you got to do it. Let me make a deal for you. I mean, in the end, what difference does it make? Do you think we were right, sir? Doesn't matter what I think. You're my lawyer. You need to tell me if I broke the law. <laughs> it's not a matter of right and wrong. Yes, it is. It always is. That's something people like you say, but it is. And we were wrong. Tell me, I'll accept that. But if we were right, I won't make a deal. What do you mean people like me? Do you think we're guilty? I think you'd lose. You're such a coward. I can't believe they let you wear a uniform. Happy wheels around and punches Dawson in the stomach. 
you're going to Leavenworth and there's nothing I can do about it. I could have gotten you six months, but you wouldn't let me. You're going to Leavenworth for seven years and there's nothing I can do about it. MP! MP enters. Happy move to leave, then looks back at Dawson. That happened to saluting an officer when he leaves the room. Dawson stands for a moment, then takes his hands and puts them in his pockets and turns to the MP. Lights fade out on the brig, lights up on the courtroom. The sergeant-at-arms enters and sets files, pens, and a gavel with striker on table with Judge Randolph. In single file, the MP, followed by Dawson and Downey, both in handcuffs, and another MP, and take their places. Ross enters and goes to his table, then Joe and Sam enter and move to their table and sit. Caffey enters and moves to the defense table without looking at anyone. As Sergeant-at-Arms re-enters, Judge Randolph follows. Everyone stands. Judge Randolph sits and strikes his gavel. All right. Where are we? Docket number 411275 VR-5, United States versus Lance Corporal Harold W. Dawson and Private First Class Loudon Downey. Defendants are charged with conspiracy to commit murder, murder in the second degree, and conduct unbecoming a United States Marine. For the defense... Uh, yeah. Um, Kathy, Lieutenant Junior Grade Daniel Abernathy, United States Naval Rescue, Judge Advocate General's Corpse, sworn and certified in accordance with Articles 42A and 27B of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Does defense wish to enter a plea? Yeah. They're not guilty. The silence in the courtroom is broken by the sound of Ross dropping his files into his briefcase and snapping it closed. As soon as this happens, we begin to hear a slow, steady drum cadence, which will continue until the end of of the act. Enter a plea of not guilty for the defendants. We'll adjourn until 1000, one week from today, at which time this court will reconvene as a general court martial. I'll see counsel in my chambers. Now. Ten hut. I'll stand. Judge Randolph exits. Kathy, holding his case as Downey and Dawson, stops center with the MPs. Say, boys. Uh, don't look at me and say, yes, sir. Like I just asked if you cleaned the latrine. You're not in the Marines anymore. You're in jail. Get some rest and don't speak to anyone. They're dismissed. The MPs take the defendants off. So, this is what a courtroom looks like. Lights out, lights up on the sentry tower at night. A thunderstorm, the sentry stands watch. A deafening clap of thunder, blackout, end of act one. Act two, lights up on Joe, Sam, and Kathy, all in the same positions as the end of act one. No, listen to me. Sam. Annie. Wait a second. You haven't thought it through. They have a defense. They were following an order. An illegal order. The fuck you think these guys know what an illegal order is? I don't know what an illegal order is. Just hang on. They're not permitted to question orders, period. What's the secret? What are the magic words? I give orders every day and nobody follows them. Sam, we have softball games and marching bands. They stand on a wall. They were ordered to do something that's routine down there. It's what they're taught to do. 
the law says you can't do what they did. It's as simple as that. It's not as simple as that. We're defense counsel. We position the truth. What did they teach you? To tell the truth, not position it. They taught you wrong. Talk to your friend at NIS. See what the deal is on Markinson. I already did. And? She said, if Markinson doesn't want to be found, we're not going to find him. She said, I could be Markinson and you wouldn't know it. Are you Markinson? Commander. I'm not Markinson. Um, that's two down. Find him. We'll meet at my apartment every night, seven o'clock. I want you working with Downey two hours a day. Get him to stop squinting when he talks. He looks shifty. Sam, you're in charge of Dawson. Razor sharp professional order taker. Stepford Marine. They were following an order, straight, simple. And what expert witness are we gonna bring in to say, uh, bring in who's gonna say they had to follow this order? Kendrick. That's it. I'm not putting Jessup on the stand. I can get what I need from Kendrick. You put Kendrick up there, it gives him a chance to deny he gave the order. Put Lieutenant Colonel on and-, and Dawson and Downey can testify to the order and Kendrick will testify they had to follow it. I think that's a mistake. Noted. Thank you. Tonight at seven. All I have in the house is Yoo-Hoo and sugar smacks. Bring whatever you like to eat and drink. You're going to be there a while. And don't wear that perfume. It ruins my concentration. Really? I was talking to Sam. Commander Stone, to see you, sir. Thank you, Tom. Dr. Stone enters. He's tired and he's wearing surgical scrubs. Walter, any news? Not yet, sir. We've still got a few more tests to run and they'll take a while. But even at that, I'm not certain we're going to be able to make a determination. I see. Colonel, it would help to know what happened. It was code red. The men were shaving his head. Lieutenant, the boy didn't die of a haircut. He died because that's what the Lord saw fit, Commander. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, John. Give the Lord a rest, would you please? Yes, sir. You look like hell. You get some rest yourself. Kendrick starts to exit. Jessup stands and stops him. Johnny, you're a Marine. Thank you, sir. Exits. Walter, I don't want to pin you down to anything. I know you've got more tests to run. Let me just ask you this. What are the possibilities at this point? It could be any number of things, Nathan. They used a gag, it could have gotten stuck in his throat. There could have been something poisonous on the gag. He could have gotten the hell scared out of him and had a heart attack. Like I said, we may never be certain. Sometimes it's a judgment call. A heart attack? He's got a medical history that suggests the possibility of a slight coronary disorder. Why wasn't this ever detected before? It's difficult to, impossible to detect in someone that age, and- Walter. Is that what you're going to say to the Board of Inquiry? How do you mean? I mean, you give these boys a thorough examination every three months. And every three months, you sent Santiago back on that wall with a clean bill of health. Am I wrong? Nathan, the symptoms are hey, extremely... Hey, Walter, you tell me. What can happen to a doctor's career because of something like this? 
You know what I think happened? I don't think it was a code red. I think Dawson and Downey got it into their heads to kill Santiago. I think, like you said, I think they put poison on the rag. That's one possibility. You know why I think that? Walter, I've known you how many years? Four years. Oh, close on to five now. One of the first things I did when I got this post was request your assignment to the base hospital. And the first thing I'll do when I leave is tell the folks upstairs, I want Walter with the big stones coming with me. I put my trust in you, Walter. I put the lives of my Marines in your hands. That's why I think it had to be poison, Walter. You're the doctor. You're the damn good doctor. Whatever you say, I'll live with it. Sits on the table and nods to Stone. Stone's dismissed. There's going to be an investigation into the cause of death. I'll do what I can for you. Yes, sir. Exits. Tom. Find me, Captain Markinson. Lights out. Lights up on a Navy orderly standing in front of a table as Markinson enters. Markinson's wearing civilian clothes and a press pass on his lapel. Yes? Can I help you? Gosh, I hope so. I've been getting the runaround all morning. Uh, Gilbert Hamilton, Balmer's son. What can I do for you? Uh, I'm doing a two-part feature on the traffic at Andrews Air Force Base. Do you keep a file on any records of uh, incoming flights at Andrews? Sure. All the bases. We keep copies of all the daily Tower Chiefs logs. Oh, is that right? Sure. They list incoming flights, time of arrival, passenger manifest. I need a copy of the logbook for Andrews for the evening of July 7th and the morning of a J- July 8th. Got it. The only thing is, I need to see a fleet requisition form and a 710 signed by two officers over the rank of lieutenant. Oh, hell. I'm sorry. I can't show copies of the logbooks without the fleet requisition form and a 710 signed by two officers over the rank of lieutenant. I understand. Is the is the duty officer here? No, sir. He's at a department meeting. Oh, gee. Is there is there anyone else I can speak to? Not for another half hour. Everyone's at lunch. I'm the only one here. Then let's go and get a logbook. It's up on Brig as Kathy enters. Dawson comes to attention. Sir, Lance Corporal Dawson, sir. I know who you are, Harold. You don't have to identify yourself. I thought we were through with this shit the night I struck an enlisted man without cause or provocation. I just... I wanted to come by and give you some words of, I don't know, some encouragement or something. He reaches into his front left jacket pocket and takes out a large folded piece of paper and reads. Sit up straight. Folds the paper and puts it back into his pocket. Not very confidence inspiring, I know. It's all right. I'm not the one who needs confidence. After all, it's not up to me anymore, is it? You have to accept the consequences too. Right? 
Yeah, but you see, they're not my consequences to accept. That almost makes it a little bit worse, doesn't it, sir? Long pause as Kathy picks up his briefcase and moves to leave. Sit up straight. We hear the marching band playing in the distance as the lights come up in the courtroom. The participants begin to enter and move into place, with Kathy and Ross, the last to come in, meeting in the middle of the room. Last chance. I'll flip before I... And hut. Too late. Sergeant at Arms re-enters, followed by Judge Randolph. All those having business with this general court-martial stand forward and you shall be heard. Captain Julius Alexander Randolph is presiding. God save the United States of America. Without objection, the sworn statements of the defendants have been read to the members and entered into the court record. No objection. No objection. Without objection, the sworn statements made by nine members of Rifle Security Company with Windward have been read to the jurors and entered into the court record. No objection. No objection. Is the government prepared to present its case? We are, sir. Please, the court, before we begin, can I ask if all these MPs are really necessary? Are they making you nervous, Commander? No, sir. They're projecting the image that the defendants are dangerous and or a flight risk. The defendants, the defendants are on trial for murder. Yeah, the defendants who are in handcuffs have not been found guilty of a crime. And I'm certain that if they were to break free and make their escape, the four armed guards at the door would apprehend them. Sir, the provost marshal felt it advisable to make the defendants a security priority. The provost marshal is going to feel like an idiot if someone steals one of our ships during this trial. <laughs> Uh, take your seat, Commander. Government will call its witnesses. Joe sits. Government calls Commander Stone. Call Commander Stone. Commander Stone enters. Commander, have you been previously sworn? Yes, I have. Commander, for the record, would you state your full name, rank, and current billet, please? Commander Walter Stone. My current billet is Internal Medicine Specialist Guantanamo. Bay Naval Hospital. Thank you, Commander. You may have a seat. And you've been attached to the hospital at Jitmo for... From October 1, 1986 to the present. And on the 8th of July of this year, did you have an occasion to treat PFC William Santiago? I did. Would you describe that treatment? Private Santiago was brought into the emergency room on the morning of the 8th at 0030. He was coughing up blood and suffering from a lack of oxygen. He lost consciousness at 0035. And what were your observations upon examination? The most obvious things were the rope marks around his wrists and that his head was partially shaved. X-rays and lab work revealed that his lungs were filled with fluid bilaterally. He had profound acidosis, that is to say a buildup of acid in his lungs. What causes acid to build up in a person's lungs? Acidosis occurs when the muscles and other cells of the body burn sugar in the absence of oxygen. Santiago's cells stopped burning oxygen and began burning sugar, causing the lungs to bleed. He drowned in his own blood and was pronounced dead at <clears throat> 0110. Doctor, what made Santiago's lungs start burning sugar? An ingested poison of some kind. 
I'm just wondering why it would be necessarily, I'm just wondering why it would necessarily have to be poison. What if, for instance, a rag was placed in my throat just as a joke, and maybe the rag was accidentally pushed too far down, cutting off oxygen altogether. Wouldn't that trigger acetosis? If that were the case, you'd die of lack of oxygen before your lungs started to bleed. Lactic acidosis is a chemical process that requires 20 to 30 minutes before it becomes lethal. Dr. Stone, did Private Santiago die of poisoning? Absolutely. Are you aware that the lab report showed no traces of poison on the rag? Yes, I am. And are you aware that the coroner's report showed no trace of poison in the body? Yes, I am. Then how do you justify your opinion, sir? There are literally dozens of toxins which are virtually undetectable, both in a human body and on, well, fabric. The nature of the acidosis is the compelling factor in this issue. Thank you, sir. Lights up on Kathy's apartment. The three lawyers are rehearsing cross-examination for the next day. Doctor, other than the rope marks, was there any external damage? No, don't call him doctor. Commander, other than the rope marks, was there any external damage? No. No scrapes or cuts? No. No bruises or, uh, no. Oh, wait, damn it. Why can't I get this? Concentrate. I am concentrating. Not hard enough. I concentrated hard enough to graduate fourth in my class. Where's your merit badge for concentration? Scrapes, cuts, bruises, welts, broken bones, fat lip. The doorbell rings. Saved by the bell. Did we order food? Uh, I can't remember. I thought we ordered Chinese food. We ordered Chinese food yesterday. We order Chinese food every day. That might be a package for me. I'll go. I've got to go and stretch my legs. Exits. You're having your mail delivered here now? I called the division and asked to see the tower chief's log from Guantanamo. What do you want with the tower chief's log? They said the 200 was the first flight off the base that night, and I want to see if in Santiago on the base on purpose. I'm chasing Kendrick. You're chasing shadows. I'm chasing Jessup. Keep Jessup out of this. One day you're going to tell me what went on in that office. Well, it's not Chinese food. Is it for me? I don't know. It just says AF40 MAM. MAM. Does that mean anything to anybody? Turns the envelope over. AF40 MAM. Sam reads from the other side of the envelope. Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway, USNR. J- Jag C M O U S E. Hands the envelope to Joe and sits as Joe opens the envelope. How's the baby? I don't know. I haven't seen her awake in two weeks. Ugh, damn it. What? He sent me the wrong log. Wrong week? The wrong goddamn base. There, I, I, I swear these assholes sent me the Tower Chief's log from Andrews Air Force. I asked for the Naval Air Station, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. So naturally, They send me Andrews Air Force Base. Call them in the morning. They'll send you the right one. I know. I know. It just galls me. What? It galls me. I I don't think I've heard any one of my generation say that before. Back to work. 
scrapes, cuts, bruises, welts, broken bones, fat lip. Go Harvard. Lights out, lights up in the courtroom. Stone continues on the stand. Commander, you testified that it takes lactic acidosis 20 to 30 minutes before it becomes lethal. That is to say 20 to 30 minutes before a person's lungs would fill with fluid bilaterally. That's correct. 20 to 30 minutes. That's about average. Right. In some people, it might be more, and some people less. A little bit more, a little bit less. Let me ask you, is it possible for a person to have an affliction, some sort of condition, which might, in the case of this person, actually speed up the process of acidosis dramatically? Certainly. And what might some of those conditions be? If a person had a coronary disorder or cerebral disorder, it's possible that the lungs might begin to bleed before the person suffocated. Mind you, it would have to be a serious condition. Is it possible to have a serious coronary condition where the initial warning signals were so mild as to escape a physician during a routine medical exam? Possibly. There would still be symptoms, though. And what would some of those symptoms be? There are many symptoms of a coronary disorder. Are chest pains, shortness of breath, and fatigue among them? Yes. Commander, is this your signature? Yes, it is. This is an order for Private Santiago to be put on restricted duty for a period of four weeks. Would you read your handwritten remarks at the bottom of the page, please, sir? Initial testing negative. Patient complains of chest pains, shortness of breath, fatigue, restricted from running distances over five. Thank you, Commander. No further questions. Goes back to the defense table and sits. Dr. Stone, you've held a license to practice medicine for 12 years, and you've been published in various medical journals. You are a board certified in internal medicine. You are the chief of internal medicine at a hospital which serves over 8,000 men. In your professional opinion, doctor, was Willie Santiago poisoned? Object calls for speculation. Commander Stone is an expert medical witness. In this courtroom, his opinion isn't considered speculation. Has the witness been admitted as an expert? The government makes a motion at this time for the court to admit Commander Stone as an expert and allow his opinion as testimony. Defense objects. Overruled. The court will hear the doctor's opinion. Your Honor, Commander Stone is an internist, not a criminologist, and his testimony under cross-examination has only demonstrated that the medical facts are simply inconclusive. Nonetheless, I'd like to hear the Dr. Stone's opinion. Sir, the defense strenuously objects and requests a sidebar so that his Honor might have an opportunity to hear discussions before ruling on the objection. The objection of the defense has been heard and overruled. Exception. Noted. Joe sits. Doctor, in your expert, professional opinion, was Willie Santiago poisoned? Yes. Thank you, sir. I have no more questions. Commander, you may step down. Stone exits. Please the court, while the government reserves its right to call rebuttal witnesses should the need arise, we rest our case. Fitz. Is defense ready to present its case? Yes, sir. Very well. This court will stand in recess until 10 hundred hours this Monday, August the 19th. And hut. All stand. The judge exits. Dismissed.
The courtroom begins clearing out. The defendants are led off by the MPs. Ross follows. I strenuously object. Is that how it works? Objection, overruled. No, 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 no. I strenuously object. Well, if you strenuously object, let me make, let me take a moment to reconsider. Look, I got it on the record. You also got it in the jury's head. We're afraid of the doctor. You object once to remind him his testimony hasn't been proven, but any more than that, and it looks like this great case we built was just a, a lot of fancy lawyer tricks. It's the difference between paper law and trial. Kathy puts his hand on Sam's arm to stop him. I'm sorry, I'm in a pissy mood. Joe takes a moment then to Kathy. Is he right? Yes, I'm right. Yes, he's right, but... Okay. He's right, but it doesn't matter. There's an uncomfortable silence. Sam crosses up the steps. Why do you hate them so much? They, they stop Sam in his tracks. They beat up on a weakling. And that's all they did. The rest is smoke-filled coffee house crap. They tortured and tormented a weaker kid. And it wasn't just that night. Read the letters. It was eight months. And you know what? I'll bet it was his whole life. They beat him up and they killed him. And why? Because he couldn't run very fast. I'm off duty now. Don't ask me to be pals with these guys. Sam, do you think the argument we're going to make on Monday is legally sound? I think the argument we're going to make on Monday is morally reprehensible. I'm not a judge, Sam. I'm not a jury. And I'm not a prosecutor. That makes me the one person in the room who is honor bound to do things which are morally reprehensible. A long silence. Kathy stands and puts his case on the table. All right. Everybody take the night off. Danny, I... I mean it. Go see Laura. See your daughter. Joe, do whatever it is you do when you're not here. We'll start working on Howard tomorrow. Shouldn't we? No. Take the night off. I'll see you in the morning. Exits. Kathy picks up the case off the table. It's tired. We'll be fine. See you tomorrow. How much damage did that cause with the doctor? It doesn't matter. Are you saying it doesn't matter because I didn't cause that much damage or does it matter because it's water under the bridge? It doesn't matter because we'll never know and there's nothing we can do about it. Good. That's a good attitude. Thank you. I got it on sale. I'll see you in the morning. Starts to leave, stops and turns towards Joe. Joe. Do you have any place to go? Yeah, I, I was just going to stick around here a little while. Here in the courtroom? Yeah. The only person around here is going to be Dickie, the night janitor, and he's asleep most of the time. Quite honestly, he's not that much fun when he's awake. I know, I just... What? Nothing. What? Nothing. You just what? I enjoy empty courtrooms. You enjoy empty courtrooms? Yes. You're like seven of the strangest women I've ever met. I know. I'm the girl guys like you hated in sixth grade. 
Joe, you're the girl guys like me tortured in the sixth grade. I'll see you tomorrow. Why do you like them so much? Because they stand on a wall. And they say, nothing's going to hurt you tonight. Not on my watch. Isn't that amazing? Don't worry about the doctor. This trial starts Monday. Lights up on Markinson wearing full dress uniform. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Santiago, I was William's company commander. I knew your son vaguely, which is to say I knew his name. In a matter of time, the trial of the two men charged with your son's death will be concluded. And seven men and two women whom you've never met will try and offer you an explanation as to why William is dead. Most likely they will offer many explanations. For my part, I've done what I can to bring the truth to light. I've done it not in the uniform in which I served for 21 years, but in costumes and in shadows. I was a defender. And at this moment, I'm being pursued by the Naval Investigative Service, the Federal Bureau of Investigations, the Central Intelligence Agency, and the military police. And I can't possibly do this anymore. Because the truth is this, your son is dead for only one reason. I wasn't strong enough to stop it. Always, Captain Matthew Andrew Markinson, United States Marine Corps. Markinson waits a moment before he takes out a pistol, cocks it, sticks it in his mouth, and pulls the trigger. The lights go to black and hear the sound of a gunshot. We hear the Marines chanting. I want to be a recon ranger. I want to be a recon ranger. I want to live a life of danger. I want to live a life of danger. Stand tall. Do it again. again. Sing it loud. Three, four. Left, right. One, two, three, four. One, two. Stand proud. Courtroom. And hut. Judge Randolph strikes the gavel. Today is Monday, 19th August, 86. Session is called to order at 1002. Kathy enters late and takes his place at the defense table. Where have you been? Stop looking for Markinson. Is defense ready to call its first witness? Yes, sir. Defense calls Corporal Howard. Call Corporal Howard. Howard enters. Corporal Howard, have you previously been sworn in? Yes, sir. Corporal, would you state your full name, rank, and current billet for the record, please? Corporal Jeffrey Owen Howard, Marine Barracks, Windward, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Thank you, Corporal. You may have a seat. Howard sits in a witness chair. Corporal, are you a little nervous? Yes, sir. Would you like a glass of water? 
No, sir, I'm fine. Thank you. You sure? Yes, sir. Well, if you want some water or if you'd like to have a short break, you just let me know. Please, the court, the witness has twice said he doesn't want any water. Can we proceed with the examination? Defense counsel will question the witness. Corporal, you've been called as a witness in order to give the court some insight into the nature of the duty that Marines and Rifle Security Company perform. Please feel free to use the map that's behind you. Well, it's very simply, really. Very simple, really. <clears throat> the base is divided into two halves. Corporal, you're going to have to wait for me to ask a question. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Would you describe the general layout of the base for us? <clears throat> yes, sir. It's very simple, really. Mm -hmm. The base is divided into two halves, the divider being Guantanamo Bay. Each half of the base is its own rifle security company. On the left side is RSC, Leeward, C. On the right side is Windward. What's the function of the Marines in RSC, Windward? To provide ground support in the event of an enemy engagement and to provide day-to-day -day security on the fence line. How much time do the Marines spend on the watch? We're on the fence for one week, then off for a week. And when you're on the fence, how long is each watch? Six hours on, six hours off. Six hours on, six hours off. One week on, one week off. Is that right? Yes, sir. And are the sentries armed? Yes, sir. With? Sir. What are the Marines armed with? Sir. What are you armed with, Jeffrey? Weapons. A pea shooter, a pocket knife, a slingshot? No, no, sir. A pea shooter. Permission to lead the witness? By a leash, if necessary. You're armed with, an M with M15 rifles and 60 rounds of ammunition. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, Jeffrey. What's a code red? Sir, a code red is a disciplinary action brought against a Marine who's fallen out of line. Name some ways a Marine could fall out of line. Well, being late for platoon or company meetings, keeping his barracks in disorder, letting his personal appearance become substandard, behaving in a manner unbecoming a Marine, falling back on a run. Have you ever received a code red? Yes, sir. Would you describe it? I dropped my weapon during a field exercise one day. We were doing seven-man assault drills, and I dropped my weapon. It's just that my palms were sweaty because it was over 100 degrees, and my weapon just slipped, sir. Uh, and what happened? Well, that night in my barracks, the guys in my squad threw a blanket over me and took turns punching me in the arm for five minutes. Then they poured glue on my hands. Okay. It worked, too, because I ain't never dropped a weapon since. Object. We're going to have to strike that, Jeffrey, but it was a good effort. What happened after they punched you and poured glue on your hands? They took me to the Post 44 and bought me a beer. They gave you a code red, then they bought you a beer. Yes, sir. Corporal, are you acquainted with Private Santiago? Were yes. you? Yes, Did sir. Did you come into contact with him every day? Yes, sir. You participated in drills together? Yes, sir. Your squads were on the fence together? 
Yes, sir. You shared a barracks hall. Yes, sir. Was Private Santiago ever late for platoon meetings? Yes, sir. Was his barracks ever in disorder? Yes, sir. Did he ever let his appearance become substandard? Yes, sir. Did he ever fall back on a run? All the time, sir. Did he ever, in your estimation, behave in a manner unbecoming of a Marine? Absolutely, yes, sir. Did he ever, prior to the morning of July 8th, receive a code red? No, sir. Never. You got a code red because your palms were sweaty. Why didn't Private Santiago, this burden and embarrassment to his unit, why, why didn't he ever get a code red? Corporal Dawson wouldn't allow it, sir. Corporal Dawson wouldn't allow it. How? Corporal Dawson was Santiago's squad leader. He wouldn't allow anyone to go near him, sir. The guys talked tough about Santiago, but when it came down to it, they wouldn't touch him. They were too afraid of Corporal Dawson, sir. Object. The witness is characterizing. Good point. I'll rephrase. Jeffrey, did you ever want to give Santiago a code red? Yes, sir. Why didn't you? Because Dawson kicked my butt, sir. Good enough. Lieutenant Ross is going to ask you some questions now. Kathy sits at the defense table. Ross stands, open his case, takes out three books, keeps one in his hand and puts the other two on the table as he crosses to Howard. Corporal, I hold here the Marine Guide and General Information Handbook for New Recruits. Are you familiar with this book? Yes, sir. Have you read it? Yes, sir. Good. Hands him the book. Would you turn to the chapter that deals with code reds, please. Sir? Just flip to the page that discusses code reds. Code reds aren't in the book, sir. I see. He goes back to his table and gets another book. Let's turn then to Marine Infantry Handbook. Would you find us a section on code reds in this book and read it to us, please? Sir, you see, Code Red is a Marine term that we only use it down at Gitmo, sir. I don't know if it actually is. We're a... in luck then. Oh, the Marine Corps Guide for Sentry Duties, Navvase, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. I assume we'll find the term Code Red and its definition in this book. Uh, and then we can move on. Am I correct, Corporal? No, sir. No. Corporal Howard, I'm a Marine. Is there no book, no, pan, no manual, no pamphlet, no set of orders or regulations that let me know that as a Marine, one of my duties is to perform a code red? No, sir. No books, sir. No further questions. Kathy gets one of the books from Ross's table. Corporal, would you turn to the page in this book where it says where the enlisted men's mess hall is? Kathy, that is not in the book. No? You mean to tell the court that you've been stationed in Gitmo for 13 months and in all that time you've never had a meal? 
No, sir. Three squares a day. I'm confused. How did you know where the mess hall was if it's not in this book? I guess I just followed the crowd at chow time, sir. Uh -huh. No more questions. You can step down, Corporal Howard. Thank you, sir. We'll take a five minute recess. Please don't anybody go too far. Ten hut. Everyone stands. The judge exits. As we were. What happened to Markinson? Happens whispers briefly to Sam and Joe. Christ. Ross walks up to Kathy. He's on mute, but he wants to talk for a minute. Kathy and Ross move off to the side. Hmm. That was nice work. The redirect on Howard. Thank you. I want this to end now. I don't want Kendrick to have to take the stand. He's had a real day at the beach, isn't he? <laughs> I was up half the night with him. He's bright, articulate, nothing in the closet. And you're going to make a meal out of him. What are you getting at, Jack? That's what I wanted to ask you. You're putting on an entertaining defense that's going nowhere. You had the doctor on the ropes. I'm done talking to you. Listen to me. You had the doctor on the ropes. And you lost him. You know you did. Howard was the sweetest hell with his dots and the protector number. And now you're going to trash Kendrick and make it look like you're doing your job. When you and I know, and don't pretend you don't, that it doesn't get you one step closer to where you need to be. We've got two minutes to the Reverend John. What can I do for you? Don't put Kendrick on the stand. I have to protect these guys. I can't allow them to look like clowns up there. Stop now. Three years apiece. Are you joking? Four weeks ago, we were talking about six months. Four weeks ago, your clients pissed on six months. Four weeks ago, your clients weren't a daily feature in the Washington Post, and neither were you. You've only got two witnesses, and they're both suspected of murder. Happy turns to leave. Thanks, Jack. You got bullied into this room by everybody, by her, by Dawson. I, I, I mean, I practically dared you. You got bullied into this room, even though not for a second have you believed you could win. You got bullied into this room by the memory of a lawyer who might have stood a chance. You're a lousy fucking softball player, Jack. Then up. Judge Randolph enters. Your boys are going down and I can't stop it anymore. Ross crosses back to his seat. Judge Randolph wraps the gavel. Defense calls Lieutenant Jonathan James Kendrick. Call Lieutenant Kendrick. Kendrick enters. Lieutenant Kendrick, have you previously been sworn in? I have. Would you state your full name, rank, and current billet for the record, please? Lieutenant Jonathan James Kendrick, Executive Officer, Rifle Security Company, Windward, Nav Base, Guantanamo Bay. Thank you, Lieutenant. You can have a seat. Lieutenant Kendrick, in your opinion, was Private Santiago a good Marine? I'd say he was about average. Kathy gets some documents from Joe. Lieutenant, you co-signed three fitness reports on Santiago. 
on all three reports, you indicated a rating of below average. Yes, Private Santiago was below average. I didn't see the need to trample on a man's grave. Oh. We put the folder on a table. We appreciate that. But you're under oath now, and I think, unpleasant as it may be, we'd all just as soon hear the truth. I'm aware of my oath. On your left bicep is a patch. Would you tell us what that patch says? Unit, core, God, country. And what does that slogan mean? It's our order of priorities. It's Would Private Santiago be as likely to adhere to that code as someone who received a rating of exceptional? No, he would not. Kathy gets another file. Lieutenant, these are the last three fitness reports you signed for Lance Corporal Dawson and PFC Downey. Private Downey received three straight marks of exceptional. Lance Corporal Dawson received two marks of exceptional, but on the most recent report dated June 9th of this year, he was given an overall rating of below average. It's this last report that I'd like to discuss for a moment, sir. That's fine. Lance Corporal Dawson's ranking after infantry training school was 4.0. Records indicate that well over half that class has since been promoted to full corporal, while Dawson has remained a Lance Corporal. Was Dawson's promotion held up because of his last fitness report? I'm sure it was. Lieutenant, do you recall why Dawson was given such a poor rate on this report? I'm sure I don't. I have many men in my charge, Lieutenant. I write many fitness reports. Hmm. Do you recall an incident involving a PFC Curtis Barnes who'd been found stealing liquor from the officers club? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. I recall thinking very highly of Private Barnes and not wanting to see his record tarnished by a formal charge. You preferred instead to handle it within the unit. Object. I remind the court that Lieutenant Kendrick is appearing as an adverse witness and that the rules of cross and not direct examination apply. Overruled. Any real leader will tell you that the best way to handle a low level problem is to let loose on a, to let those on a low level handle it. Lieutenant, did you order Corporal Dawson and two other men to make sure that Private Barnes receive no food or drink except water for a period of 10 days? That is a distortion of the truth. Private Barnes was placed on barracks restriction. He was given water and vitamin supplements. I assure you that no time was his health in danger. Please, the court, the government objects to this entire line of questioning as argumentative and irrelevant badgering of the witness. Lieutenant, I remind you that you are now questioning a Marine officer with an impeccable service record. Thank you, Judge. You're welcome. I'm overruling your objection. Defense may continue its line of questioning. Lieutenant, you said that you prefer to handle these situations within the unit rather than going through what this court might consider to be proper authorities. Is that right? I beg your pardon. Would you like me to repeat the question? Proper authorities? Yes. 
I have two books at my bedside, Lieutenant. The Marine Code of Conduct and the King James Bible. The only proper authorities I'm aware of are my commanding officer, Colonel Nathan Roy Jessup, and the Lord our God. Lieutenant, at your request, I can ask that the record reflect your lack of recognition of this court as a proper authority. Move to strike. Counsel, I advise against testing the limits of my patience. Yes, sir. Lieutenant, the sort of disciplinary action you preferred in the matter of Curtis Barnes, is there a name for it? Object! It's called Code Red and it works and it's the business of no one but the members of Rifle Security Company. Well, we've got that straightened out anyway. Well, I certainly hope so. Would a Marine with an overall rating of exceptional know what a Code Red is? Yes. He would. Now, let me ask you this, Lieutenant. Was Lance Corporal Dawson given a rating of below average because you learned he was sneaking food to private barns? Lance Corporal Dawson was found to be below average because he committed a crime. What crime did he commit? He disobeyed. Lieutenant Kendrick, what crime did Dawson commit? He disobeyed an order. He disobeyed an order that you gave for Private Barnes to receive a code red. Yes. And because he did, because he exercised his conscience, because he made a decision, he was punished. Is that right? Lieutenant. No, because he disobeyed an order. Yeah, but it wasn't a real order, was it? After all, it's peacetime. He wasn't being asked to secure a hill or, or radio for battalion aid or advance on a beachhead. I mean, surely a Marine with Dawson's outstanding service record can be trusted to determine on his own which orders are the really important orders and which orders might, say, be illegal. No. No, it wasn't Corporal Dawson's prerogative. A lesson he learned after the Curtis Barnes incident. Am I right? I would think so. You know so, don't you, Lieutenant? Object. Withdrawn. No more questions. Did you have a meeting with the members of Second Platoon on the evening of 7th July? Yes, I did. And what did you tell them, Lieutenant? That Private Santiago was being transferred off the base at 0200 hours. And that he was not to be touched. Thank you, Lieutenant Kendrick. Lights up on Kathy's apartment. Joe with a deli bag. Coffee. You got the tower chief's log from Guantanamo. And? Nothing. First plane off the base was at two that morning. The flight Jessup booked him on. Damn. We're okay. We did a good job on Kendrick. I know. I wanted Jess. Jessup's not our job. Order came from Kendrick. Cover-up's not our job. Someone else will go after Jessup. Nobody's going to go after Jessup. Dawson and Downey, Joe. We work for Dawson and Downey. Right. Right. All right. Okay. Okay. You remember the order of questions? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. You use small words? Yes. You get rattled when he doesn't understand something. We're all set. All right. When he doesn't understand something, he thinks he's in trouble. Joe, 
I'm just saying, I'm just saying, go slow. I'm going to go slow. Okay. All right. And, and get him off as, as fast as you can. Joanne. All right. All okay. Right. I think we might win. If Downey comes through and then Dawson, I think we might win. We are. We're going to win. And be sure to make a lot of eye contact so that Kathy has been playing with the baseball bat throughout. He pretends to swing at Joe. Right. Right. Coffee? Yes, please. You can't have any, though. Hey, I'm just psyched, brother. I'm I'm, I'm juiced. (laughs) You're wired. Sam, you want some coffee? Make a yoo-hoo. You're going to have a yoo-hoo? Yeah. Okay. I want a yoo-hoo. Is that such a big deal? He asks for a yoo-hoo and it's like he's asking for the correct time. I asked for a yoo-hoo and the world is coming to an end. I'm going to get myself a yoo-hoo. Okay, can we drop it now? I want a yoo-hoo. Sam? I'm fine. Mm. I think we're going to win. Lights up on the courtroom. Downey, now played by Andrew Hawley, is on the stand. We were taken into custody by the military police officers and taken to the brig. Private Downey, this is my last question for you. Why did you give PFC Santiago a code red on the evening of July 7th? The code red was ordered by the executive officer, sir, Lieutenant Kendrick. Thank you very much. Private, for the week of 2 July, the switch log has you at post 39. Is that correct? I'm sure it is, sir. They keep that log pretty good. How far is post 39 from the Windward Barracks? It's a ways, sir. It's a hike. About how far by Jeep? How many minutes would you say? About 15, 20 minutes by Jeep, sir. Have you ever had to walk it? Yes, sir. Uh, That week, sir, Friday. I was DDL, the pickup private. Uh, Sir, that's what we call the fellow who drops us at our post and picks us up. Also because he can get girls in New York City. The pickup private got a flat right at 39. He pulled up and blam, a blowout with no spare, sir. The two of us had to double time it back to the barracks. And if it's 15 or 20 minutes by Jeep, I'm guessing it must be a good hour by foot. Am I close? Me and Pickup did it in 45 flats, sir. Not bad. And you say your assault on Willie Santiago was the result of an order that Lieutenant Kendrick gave at a platoon meeting at 1620 hours? Sir? You testified <clears throat> You testified that this meeting where Lieutenant Kendrick gave you an order to perform a code red took place at 1620, 20 minutes after your squad was relieved on the fence that evening, but you just said that you didn't make it back to Windward Barracks until 1645. No, you see, sir, there was a flat tire. Private, were you at that meeting? Sir? 
Were you at the meeting that Lieutenant Kendrick held with the members of 2nd Platoon Delta? No, sir. You see, there was a flat tire. You never heard Lieutenant Kendrick say, give Santiago a code red. Did Corporal Dawson give you an order to give Santiago a code red? Objection. Please, the court, I'd like to request a recess to confer with my client. I'd like to answer. I'd like an answer to my question. The witness has rights. The witness has been read his rights, Commander. Ma'am? The question will be repeated. Ma'am? Did Corporal Dawson give you an order to give Willie Santiago a code red? We had... Sir, I didn't. Direct your client to answer the question. We did it in 45 flats, sir. You must grant the defense a recess. Lieutenant Caffey, please direct your client to answer the question. Private Downey is my client and I am addressing the court. It was a code red. Lieutenant, please handle your client. Private, answer the lieutenant's question. The room is silent from Dawson's outburst, but then Downey does the most amazing thing. He transforms before our eyes. He sits up straight and tall, screws up his courage in a manner we've only seen from Dawson, and speaks with all the pride there is. Yes, lieutenant. I was given an order by my squad leader, Lance Corporal Harold W. Dawson of the U.S. Marine Corps, and I followed it. Blackout. Marines chanting. What are you gonna do when you get back? What are you gonna, are do, you gonna when do when you, when get, you back? get back? Take a shower and hit the rack. Take, Take a, a shower, shower and, and hit, hit the, the rack. rack. Oh no. Not, Not me. me. Oh no. Not, Not us. us. What are we gonna do when we get back? Lights up on Kathy's apartment. Sam and Joe sit silently. A few packing cartons lay about. After a long moment, Kathy walks in with his briefcase. He seems remarkably calm. What do you, Danny, what do you say? He'll give Downey involuntary. He'll do seven years. Dawson will have to plead guilty to the higher court. 12 to 15. He wants an answer tonight. Stops packing, picks up the box, and looks at Joe, who seems to be expecting something more. What do you want me to say? That no lawyer in the world would have thought to check out something like that? I would have. He would have. Then why didn't you? Kathy finally explodes and throws the box. Because I trusted you! Two guys who are about to do six months are going away for two decades between them because I trusted you. But that was today. That, that was before I talked to Ross. Did you tell Aunt Ginny about your track record? Hmm? Did you tell her that you've gone into court six times in your life and that you lost each time? Your passion is compelling. Joe, it's also useless because Loudon Downey needed a trial lawyer today. 
Calmly, he starts cleaning up papers and file folders off the floor, putting them back in the box. Anyway, that's that. Joe's shaken. She picks up her case and stands. I still think we could win. I think you're using what happened today as an excuse to give up, and I think you're afraid of Jessup, Danny, and, and I think you're just destined to be a victim of your own fear, but what the hell? We'll get the steak knives. Walk out. Joe exits. Long pause. Kathy stands there a moment before picking up the box and throwing it again to the floor, then crosses up the steps, knocking his briefcase stage right off the platform and out of his way as he exits. Sam stands, crosses to the box, kneels, and begins picking things up off the floor and replaces them in the box. Kathy returns seconds later, drinking from the bottle as... Stop cleaning up. Sam continues to pick up the papers off the floor and to make some attempt to organize the mess. Sam, stop cleaning up. Sam stops and looks at Kathy. Do you think if we'd been able to find Markinson, it would have made a difference? No. I don't know. Who knows what Markinson knew? Maybe he was just a coward with a conscience. You want a drink? Yeah. Is your father proud of you? Don't do this to yourself. Is he? Is he very proud of you? Sure. I'll bet he is. I'll bet your dad bores the shit out of the neighbors. Guys he works with, aunts, uncles. Sam made law review. Sam, Sam's got a big case. He's making, he's arguing, he's making an argument. I think my father would have enjoyed seeing me graduate from law school. I think he would have liked that an awful lot. I'm very angry about that, Sam. I know you are. I have to call Ross. I said I'd call him at home before midnight. I'll call him. Do you have the number? In my book, in my briefcase. Sam stands, picks up Kathy's briefcase. Sam scratches his thumb on the security tag. Oh, shit. What? I cut myself on your damn security tag. God, I never took it off. He removes the tag, puts the case down on the floor, then examines the security tag that he had put on the briefcase at Gitmo. He stops for a moment. If you give me Ross's number, I'll call him. Danny? Galls me. What? Galls me. I can't hear you. It galls me. Yeah, we need to call Ross. Call him. Tell him thanks a lot, but no deal. Tell him I'm requesting a 24-hour continuance to subpoena Colonel Jessup. What? I've been going after the wrong guy. What are you talking about? Do you remember when we flew back from Cuba? Around six. Do you remember our flight code? Why would I remember that? AF-40. Doesn't have any windows, but it flies. Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember the wrong logbook they sent Joe? The one that galled her? The Tower Chief's log from Andrews. AF40, AF40 MAM. MAM, Matthew A. Markinson. Coward with a conscience. 
why it took me five weeks to figure it out is beyond me. But given time, I'll think of a way to blame it on you. Let's go. You got to prep me for Jessup and I need Joe to write the motion for the continuance. Look, wait, let's just sit down with Ross. If Jessup tampered with evidence, we might be able to get a new deal. I don't want Jessup on evidence tampering. I want him to say he ordered the code red. Let's go. You still need a witness. I have a witness. A dead witness. And in the hands of a lesser attorney, that would be a problem. You're going to trip Jessup. I'm not going to trip him. I'm going to lead him right where he's dying to go. I don't think you can do it. I know you don't. Let's go. Doesn't that mean anything to you? A great deal. But let me ask you this. What if I'm twice as good as you think I am? What if I'm not some half-assed clown of a Phi Beta Kappa used car salesman? You'd still need a window. He has no weakness. He won't let you near him. He has a weakness. What? He thinks he was right. You shoot at oh. You shoot at Jessup and miss. Randall will cite you. Listen to me. Randall will cite you for contempt. If they decide to teach you a lesson, they'll slap you with a dishonorable discharge, and that'll be stapled to every job application you ever fill out. Life's like that sometimes. Fuck sakes. Life is like that sometimes. Let's go. You're that sure? Yeah. He's gonna confess. Yeah. You know why? No. Because he has honor, and he has a code, and I'm twice as good as you think I am. Let's go. Blackout. Lights up on the courtroom. It's empty and dark, except for Joe sitting in the witness chair, very much lost in thought. We hear Kathy and Sam as they walk in slowly. Say, Sam, have you ever heard the story of Lieutenant Commander and the Lieutenant Colonel? I believe I have, Danny. It's a story of courage and conviction, is it not? Right you are, Sam. You see, the Lieutenant Commander was investigating a crime, and she had a question she wanted the Colonel to answer. This colonel is a very intimidating character, I've heard. Well, sure, to some people. To some people, he's the stuff of which nightmares are made. But not to Commander Galloway. No, sir, because Commander Galloway ain't scared of nothing. She had a question, and she was gonna get an answer. And she was confident, and she was relentless. Drops the routine and speaks directly to Joe. And she did her job. What do you want? I want to talk to you about Lance Corporal Dawson and PFC Downey. 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 I don't want to talk to you anymore. Nope. Can't accept that. We braved extraordinary elements to get over here. My car ran out of gas halfway up 8th Street. Sam had to walk a quarter of a mile to get help. Anyway, the wife and I we're thinking about maybe going into court tomorrow and saving our clients' lives, maybe sticking some homicidal maniacs behind bars to boot. Huh? We thought you might want to come along. What do you say? I can't seem to defend people. I'm sorry you feel that way. You're my hero, Joanne. From that first day, you were a lawyer live with that lights up on a courtroom and hut is the defense ready yep 
defense calls Lieutenant Colonel Roy Jessup. Colonel Nathan R. Jessup will take the stand. Colonel, have you been previously sworn, sir? No, I have not. Holding Bible towards Jessup. Sir, would you raise your right hand and place your left hand on the Bible, please? Jessup does. Do you solemnly swear that the testimony you will give in this general court-martial will the, the truth? It'll be the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Yes, I do. Would you state your full name, rank, and current billet for the record, please? Lieutenant Colonel Nathan Roy Jessup, Barracks CO, Marine Ground Forces, Nav Base, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Thank you, Colonel. You may have a seat if you like. Thank Jessup. you, Lieutenant. Jessup sits. Ross crosses to his table and sits. Kathy stands. The defense failed to get a deposition from you, so I'm going to break the cardinal rule and ask you questions without knowing the answers. Oh, seems a little more sporting that way, Lieutenant. Indeed. When you learned of Santiago's letter, did you ask Lieutenant Kendrick to have a meeting with the members of 2nd Platoon? Yes. Why? I felt that Santiago's life might be in danger once word of the letter got out. I had Kendrick tell his men that they were not to take matters into their own hands. At the time of this meeting, who was your second in command? The company commander, Captain Matthew Markinson. And at present, Captain Markinson is dead. Is that right? Objection. I'd like to know just what defense counsel is implying. I'm implying simply that at present, Captain Markinson is not alive. Surely Lieutenant Caffey doesn't need the colonel to appear in this court to confirm that information. I just wasn't sure if the colonel was aware that last week Captain Markinson took his own life with a forty-five caliber pistol. I'm aware. Hmm. The witness is aware. The members are aware. We thank you for bringing this to our attention, Lieutenant. Please move on. Yes, sir. Colonel, at the time of this meeting, when you told Lieutenant Kendrick to tell his men that they were not to take matters into their own hands, you gave Captain Markinson an instruction as well. Is that right? Indeed. I told Captain Markinson that I wanted the boy transferred off the base immediately. You felt Santiago was in danger? Yes. Grave danger. Is there any other kind? When did you learn of Santiago's letter? Thursday, 7 July. What time of day? In the area of 1000. 7 July, 1000. That's when you told Lieutenant Kendrick and Captain Markinson that Santiago's life was in grave danger and the captain was to transfer him off the base immediately. Son, is it me or are we going around in a circle here? <laughs> I have a copy of the transfer orders here. It says that Santiago was scheduled to be moved out at 0200 the next morning, 16 hours later. Why did Markinson wait 16 hours? Why did Markinson keep a man in danger for 16 hours? There was no on the table. There was no transportation off the base until 0200. The 0200 was the first flight off. Are these really the questions I've been called here to answer? I'm just trying to determine if it's possible that your instructions to the officers weren't carried out. Have you ever served in an infantry unit, son? 
No, sir. Have you ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Have you ever put your life in another man's hands? Ask him to put his life in your hands. No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Even if that order is illegal. Object. Sustained. Withdrawn. Boy, I'd love to know what in the world qualifies you to pass judgment on us. Please, sir. I'm not here to pass judgment. The members of the jury are. And they're entitled to the truth. Is that right? Do you disagree? Certainly not in principle. I do disagree only in as much as I disagree that a paraplegic is entitled to foxtrot. It'd be nice. It just isn't possible. Are you saying it's not possible for this court to hear the truth? This court? I don't know what that means. I'm saying it's not possible for you to hear the truth. Why not, sir? Your Honor, is this dialogue relevant to anything in particular? The defendant's commanding officer has just testified that the truth is an unattainable goal. I'd like to know why. Colonel, you're under no obligation to address this question. Captain, for the past month, this man has attempted to put the Marine Corps on trial. I think somebody sure as hell better address this question or people are liable to start listening to him. Why is it impossible to hear? Because you can't handle it, son. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the sad but historic reality. What reality are you referring to, Colonel? We live in a world that has walls. And those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago. You curse the Marines. You have that luxury. The luxury of the blind. The luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You can't handle it. Because deep down, in places you don't talk about, you want me on that wall. You need me there. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as a backbone to a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom I provide, then questions the manner in which I provide it. I'd prefer you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I'd suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. Well, that's what I get for asking questions without knowing the answers. Colonel Jessup, the court appreciates your time. No trouble, Captain. I love Washington. Danny, don't look so glum. What is it you people say? Live to fight another time. Excuse me, I didn't ask you to step down. Jessup stops. I beg your pardon? I'm not through with my examination. I didn't dismiss you. Points to the witness chair. Sit down. Lieutenant. Counsel. 
I'd like the record to show that the witness got up and walked to the door without being told to step down. Colonel. I beg your pardon? I'd prefer it if he addressed me as Colonel or Sir. I believe I've earned it. Defense counsel will address the witness as Colonel or Sir. What the hell kind of outfit are you running here? And the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. I'm certain I've earned it. Take your seat, Colonel. Jessup sits. Sam opens his attache and removes a logbook, which he hands to Kathy. Submit for defense exhibit A. This is the Tower Chief's log for Naval Air Station, Nav Base, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. It lists incoming and outgoing flights for Thursday, July 7th and Friday, July 8th of July. Opens the logbook and crosses to Jessup. Is that your signature? That's my signature. I draw the court's attention to the fact that between 0600 on Thursday the 7th and 0200 on Friday the 8th, no passenger-capable flights left the base. He shows the book to Ross. Noted. Kathy crosses to Judge Wren. Noted. Colonel, this time I'd like to tell you that if you'd like a recess to compose your thoughts... Or if you'd like to consult with an attorney, we can arrange... I don't need an attorney. Yes, sir. Colonel, I think perhaps... I said I don't need an attorney. Yes, sir. Colonel, a moment ago, you said that Willie Santiago's death saved lives. That's right. Given that, I wonder if you could tell us, sir, are the defendants criminals or heroes? Colonel Jessup? I don't suppose that's for me to say. I'm asking your opinion, sir. As a military expert. Criminals? Or heroes? They're warriors. Criminals or heroes, sir? They're heroes. Then why in God's name did you go to such trouble to cover up what they've done? Object! Counsel! Why did you fix the logbook? Objection! That was totally without merit! What do you- Randolph overlaps with Ross. That's what the hell the matter with you? I request that Lieutenant Captain's remarks be stricken from the record and that the witness be accused with the court's deepest apology. Whatsoever! You're instructed to disregard his remarks entirely. Lieutenant Caffey, consider yourself in contempt of court. Now, are you through with this witness? No, Your Honor. Submit for defense, Exhibit B. It's the Tower Chief's log for Andrews Air Force Base for the evening of July 7th. It seems that at 9.26 p.m., 2126, an AF-40 transport landed at Andros with 94 empty seats, having taken off at two minutes past 6 p.m. Its departure point? Colonel? Naval Air Station, Nav Base, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. You know that Kendrick ordered the code red on San Diego because that's what you told Kendrick to do. And Kendrick 
follows orders or people die. Isn't that right, Colonel? You ordered the code red and when it went bad, you cut these guys loose. You had Markinson sign a phony transfer order so it looked like you tried to move San Diego. You forged the logbook so it looked like the 0200 was the first flight out and you told the doctor to say it was poison so it wouldn't look like a code red. You trashed the law. But we understand you're permitted. You have a greater responsibility than we could possibly fathom. You provide us with a blanket of freedom. We live in a world that has walls and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns and nothing's gonna stand in your way of doing it. Not Willie Santiago, not Dawson and Downey, not a thousand armies, not the uniform code of military justice, not the constitution of the United States. That's the truth, isn't it, Colonel? I can handle it. I did my job. I'd do it again. You ordered the code red. Yes. Say it, Colonel. I ordered the code red. Say it again. I ordered the code red. Jack? Please, the court, I suggest that the jury be dismissed and that we move to an immediate Article 39A session. The witness has rights. Absolutely. The sergeant at arms will take the members to an anteroom where you'll wait until further instructions. All right, now, what the hell's going on? Captain, what the hell's going on? I'm not familiar with this Article 39A. I did it. Fine. I ordered the cord red. Now I'm getting on a plane and going back to my base. Guard the prisoner. What? The MPs start toward Jessup tentatively. MPs guard the prisoner. I ordered a code red and everybody's going to pieces like a fucking lady's auxiliary. Colonel Jessup, you have the right to remain silent. Any statement you do make can be used against you. In Are you charging me with Marshall. a crime? You charging me with, I'm a Marine, Marine. Or other funny. judicial you know, or administrative proceedings. Is. You have the right to consult with the lawyer prior to questioning. This lawyer may be a civilian lawyer retained at no cost to the United States or a military I'm lawyer. I'm going to tear your eyes right out of your head your and kissing your dead skull. You fuck with the wrong Colonel, Marine. Yes, the wrong Do you understand Marine. these rights as I have read them to I'll you? I'll tell you something, my friend. These fucking people have no idea how to defend a nation. I'm trying to defend the nation. All you did here today was weaken the country. That's all you did. So you give yourself a pat on the back. You put people in danger. Sweet dreams, son. Don't call me son. I'm a lawyer and an officer of the United States Navy and you're under arrest, you son of a bitch. The witness is excused. Blackout, Marines chanting. Lift your head and lift it high. Lift, lift your, your head, head and lift it high. high. Corporal Dawson's passing by. Corporal Dawson's passing by. Left, right, sound, sound off. off. Sing it loud. Do, Do it, it again. again. Three, four, sound off. off. Right, right, left, stand, stand proud. Judge Randolph wraps the gavel on stand proud. The lights come up on the courtroom. Judge Randolph reads from the charge sentence cards. On the charge of murder in the second degree, 
the members find the defendants not guilty. On the charge of conspiracy to commit murder, the members find the defendants not guilty. On the charge of conduct unbecoming a United States Marine, the members find the defendants guilty as charged. Pause, reads from the sentence card. The defendants are hereby sentenced by this court to time served in the brig up until this point and are ordered to be dishonorably discharged from the Marine Corps. This court-martial is adjourned. Ben Huck, Judge Randolph stands and exits. Dismissed. Why? Harold, I'm sorry. Why? Downey? Downey doesn't understand. It's not as bad as it seems. Colonel Jessup said he ordered the code red. I know, but... It... Colonel Jessup said he ordered the code red. What'd we do wrong? Listen. Uh, What'd we do wrong? Asked Dawson. We did nothing wrong. Sure you did. How? We did nothing wrong. A jury just said your conduct was unbecoming a Marine. What does that mean? You're the lawyer. You're the Marine. Not anymore. Sam steps towards Dawson. Corporal, what were you supposed to fight for? What were you supposed to fight for? People can fight for themselves. What were you supposed to fight? fight for? Willie. Willie Santiago. We were supposed to fight for Willie. No more questions. Kathy, I gotta take these guys down to personnel for some paperwork, gentlemen. Come with me. Kathy nods to the sergeant at arms. Dawson and Downey start to leave and are almost gone when... Harold. Dawson, Downey, and the sergeant-at-arms stop and turn towards Kathy. Sir. You don't need to wear a patch on your arm to have honor. Ten Hut. There's an officer on deck. Dawson and Downey snap to attention and hold a salute to Kathy. Kathy returns a crisp salute. Sir. Permission to be dismissed. You're dismissed. Sergeant at arms leads Dawson and Downey off. I, uh, I, I didn't know about the tower chief's log. People had a case, Jack. Joe looks at Kathy and at Sam, who seem to be in an odd little world. You know, you two really ought to learn to relax a little. She stands. How about a celebration? I'm buying. Sam, champagne, yoo-hoo. Maybe later. I'm going to go home and talk with my daughter. I think she's got to be bilingual by now. Exits. <laughs> so, what's next for you? Staff Sergeant Hector Baines. He went to the movies on company time. How about you? Me? Oh, you know, the usual. Just 
pretty much generally annoying people. Yeah. Crosses to Kathy. Listen, are you happy right now? Because because you have every reason to be happy right now. I am happy. It was very nice of you to ask. So how about it? You want to have a drink? Uh, I'll hook up with you later. I'm going to get my started on Hector Baines. Stay in my post for a while. You are like seven of the strangest men I've ever met. She exits. Kathy stands still for a moment, surveys the room and picks up his briefcase, begins to leave singing as he does. Lift your head up, lift it high. Daniel Kathy's passing by. Kathy exits as the sentry shifts his rifle. Blackout. End of play. <laughs>